Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare at&t connects an ode to podcasts connect the alarm change the podcast you stream Connect the snooze, 10 more minutes to dream. Connect the shower, lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories change your perspective connecting changes everything AT&T you're listening to Fox Sports Radio Radio. living the dream once again on a spectacular Saturday it is Hartman and Papinga coming live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on your car insurance visit geico.com for a free Rate quote. I I have to admit, before we came in today, uh, we had to clean off the desk here at the Fox Sports Radio studios from all the lathering during McIntyre's show about the Golden State Warriors. I mean, wow. I I (laughs) love you, you, Jason. What was was, the problem? It was so over the top. Like of what? Well, I mean, from the fact that he believes that the Warriors are the greatest team ever assembled in the history of the NBA. Blow away the Bulls, blow away the Lakers. Not a question of what? Like legitimacy or not legitimacy? He's absolutely correct. (laughs) What do you want? The greatest team we've ever seen. You should sit back, enjoy it, man. I mean, you got to buckle up. You're not. It's not even close. You're the guy on the roller coaster that isn't even sitting back and enjoying the loop de loops and the big curves, the big drops. You're the guys just sitting there going, this could be so much better. I mean, if they did it this way and that way, I mean, it's like, come on, man, just sit back. Clear your mind of all the smug. Yeah, the Steve smug. Kerr. Did you see Steve Kerr's smugness <laughs> after that game? Oh, you got, my you're being, God. You're being blinded by your his, smug. His smugness. All right, what, here, here's one of the questions the I have right now. Ever, Steve? Uh, Historian. History has been there, made. There, there, there this is awesome. What history has been made? Three oh, out of four? The best team There's been a lot of teams ever. that won three out of four. How about who? win three in a row? How, about, three, who, how many teams won three in a four? Well, how about three in a row? The Lakers did it twice. Okay, Lakers are one. Who's done it two? Oh, all right, the, the Lakers have done it. 
it. Celtics? Let's see. The 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 Bear, Bulls did it twice. Okay, Bulls. Okay. Who, who else? Okay, the Lakers did it once. Yeah, the Bulls did it twice. Boston. That's three in a row. Boston won eight in a row. There's three. Okay. Uh, the uh, Lakers, by the way, in the 80s won three out of four. So, 85, 87, 88. Very similar so to what the, the Warriors are doing right it's now. The Lakers. Okay, so. so how much more do I need to, you know, so you, back to back? Hey, What's Steve, back to back? The Houston Steve, Rockets won back to back. You basically have hit on three teams of now 30. Right. So if you add the Warriors, they're in the 90th percentile. That, to me, is No, no, no. You said best of all time. But are, uh, I didn't oh, yeah. say they're not oh, yeah. good. Oh, yeah, they're the best You're of all You're saying the best of all time. Oh, yeah. All right, well, that's an opinion. It's not based on fact, but that's oh, an opinion. Yeah. All right, now, well, let, you, here, can, you here, can start breaking down some facts. So to, yesterday, to I don't know if you saw this. So um, Stephen A. Smith was doing a pregame interview before game four with the commissioner, Adam Silver. Uh-huh. And... And Stephen A. put him in a very uh, uneasy situation because yeah, he he was asking him about the future of LeBron James. And Commissioner Silver, not unexpectedly, saying, well, I have a real hard time talking about when we're still, you know, talking about the NBA finals. And, and you know, basically Stephen A. said, well, these finals are already over. I mean, you know. And he's like, well, no, we have to celebrate LeBron getting to the finals eight straight years. We have to celebrate the greatness of the Warriors. Here's here's my point today on the day after the NBA Finals is over. Yeah. How healthy is your league when your off season is way more interesting than your actual season? Because their off season with where LeBron is going to end up is a far bigger NBA story, a far bigger national story than anything that just transpired during a season that played out so predictably, you had a Warriors team and a Cavaliers team underachieved during the regular season because they both knew that's not what really matters. When they needed to win in the playoffs, they did. We had a matchup that everyone predicted would be a sweep, and it was. It was a one-sided NBA Finals because LeBron's not going to get it done with Kevin Love, Tristan Thompson, and J.R. Smith when you're going against Durant, Curry, Thompson, and Draymond Green. So JaVale everything McGee. about the whole forgot, season was pretty good. But now, the NBA offseason, now we got a story. This is going to be insanely interesting on how this will play out. So See, how, how healthy you is say, your league you say when your offseason is more interesting than your actual season? Because it's not true. It, was not a, it wasn't predictable. I mean, it they, wasn't? They, had, they lost 10 of the last 17 games, the Warriors did. And you were many concerned people, about them? Many people oh. were concerned. Who, they were concerned. Who was concerned? They were they were absolutely they concerned. They were concerned. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. They were like wondering, sure. I mean, especially the front Feigning office. Feigning concern. And then the fact that they, they're they down 3-2 to two to the Houston Rockets in the Western Conference Finals. Oh. And then they, I mean, I'm at the game. They start, I mean, the first half of Game 6, mm-hmm. I was mad that I paid good money, by the way. I had pretty dang good seats. Yeah. To watch this. I'm like, this is stupid. Durant's out here just sort of lollygagging around. Right. Steve, you know, Steph Curry's goofing off. And, and they're down 16. I was like, isn't this game – I mean, I thought this was like their season and their legacy on the line here. And then all of a sudden they turn it on. I mean, it was unbelievable. Yeah, and, I was oh, like, hey, and wow. then suddenly, but magically, they turn it on just like we all knew As I would. was mad and upset, right. I went to the state of, holy cow, this is mo- probably the most unbelievable basketball I've ever seen live. I've seen it on TV, but live where you see Steph and Clay go off and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And then they get into game seven, same thing. And so, I mean, there was unpredictable points. Uh, and that, and uh, there were moments that were not kind of planned out. But, I mean, you're right. The league has a problem. And here's what the problem is. 
The problem is, is they always want, and this is this goes to LeBron James, but you can you can blame LeBron. You're gonna James. blame LeBron James yes. for two things. First is, is he created this idea that you could join up talent, you know, this exceptional talent to create right. these super okay. teams. Okay, so sure. That, so that created it. So all of a sudden, every team now thinks that the only way you're going to win championships now into today's modern era of basketball is you have to create a super team. That's the first fallacy that LeBron created. The second one, which there's some truth to it, the second one is the fact that the other part of the NBA along that same vein don't want to recognize that if you follow the Warriors, look at their model. They drafted and developed Steph Curry. They drafted and developed Draymond. All late-round picks, you could say, theoretically, because there's only two rounds. These weren't top five picks that you just all of a sudden decided to go out and buy. You drafted and developed these guys. Klay Thompson's another one. Yep. JaVale McGee's is another one. Nobody's willing to do that. Everybody's out there thinking like Houston, we got to go buy ourselves a championship. We got Chris Paul, man, maybe now we got to bring LeBron in. And that's the problem because until everybody looks at Golden State and acknowledges that they're really not a true super team because they're three core guys that everybody now considers super because they're all stars, were basically homegrown talent that nobody wanted anyway and everybody had access to. And so the point is, is until the league finally gets this idea that, holy cow, you know what? Instead of going out and buying a super team between quotations, we need to invest in our guys. We need to coach them up well. I mean, what Philly did in retaining their head coach went against that. I mean, that was absolute stupidity. They should have gone out and got a developer, a guy that could bring in people to help Ben Simmons, to help the big-time players with the Philadelphia. That's just one example, by the way. Uh, you know, I, I believe Boston's doing that. You know, you got Brad Stevens there. He's developing those guys, and we saw how well he developed them through the season, and we didn't fully get to appreciate that until Kyrie was, you know, went down, and then obviously Gordon Hayward was out. But to me, this isn't about the Warriors. Everybody wants to blame the Warriors that it's their I fault in fact, or this system that allowed the Warriors team to assemble, but they did it the right way. All right, I'm going to – And gonna, the NBA gonna, needs to catch up or else it's going to continue to be this way because you're absolutely right. The offseason is far more interesting because, again – we created this philosophy that everybody's been, you know, basically drunk and high and, you know, basically brainwashed to think they're, oh, you got to build a super team to compete. And so now, obviously, who's going to build that super team becomes the main story instead of an actual game of basketball. All right. So I'm going to say something right now that might shock you. <laughs> but I'm going to say that's, this. That's going to be tough. I'm going to say this. It's going to be tough, but go ahead. The Warriors are the best thing that could happen to the NBA. Did, you, uh, did yeah, I just say that? That was good. That and the, good. and the reason I say one. this that, that is not because of my I, disdain for I their smugness or anything I, like that. Steve, but I absolutely did not expect because, that. And the reason I say that is, is that when the Warriors first hit the scene, those first couple of years, they win the championship, they win 73 games, they run out of gas, they lose to Cleveland. They were everyone's favorite team. Because they were a Until bunch of- Kevin Durant showed exactly. up. Then instantly they become the hated team. And so, but that's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. You need a villain, and the Warriors <laughs> are the villain, just like the New England Patriots yeah, are the villain. Right. In, and for years, the Yankees, I mean, you can go over the great uh, UCLA back in the John Wooden days, they were the villain. You know, they're winning constantly. They're just so much better than everything else. That is a good thing. You need a villain. However, I don't know if we've ever quite had a situation as dramatic a flip as we had with the Warriors went from being so loved for the reason you mentioned. Guys that no one heard about. Curry, Thompson, Draymond Green. How are they doing? It's 73 wins. Everyone was in rapture. But then they get Durant. 
and all of a sudden it all flips. Oh, now you're going to be one of those teams. It's the player hater society too. Because why do everybody hold they held they hold Steph Curry uh, like in a negative kind of mindset? Draymond. Oh no 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 you know the whole Warriors organization. They're all upset at them because they're good at recruiting. Like that does that blows my mind. And another thing that Steph is willing to take a back seat because if you don't see the humility in their team, oh. that's that that's what blows me away. Is like I don't know how many guys I've played with in the NFL, I've heard about in other situations that if they were in this exact same situation where you got this guy who's Steph Curry, who's like emerging as the superstar, he's already been a two time regular season MVP, been a, a world champ, that all of a sudden he brings in another guy that could eclipse him. That he doesn't get a little upset. He doesn't get rubbed a little wrong. Like like yesterday, you could see that there was a little bit of an emphasis, I think, with both Steph, more, more with Steph, that he was trying to make a statement to be the MVP. He didn't get it. Hold his thought. Hold his thought. Because I'm glad. I mean, hold his thought. The fact thought. that that doesn't pull him apart, though, I'm telling you, that needs to be acknowledged. Uh-huh. And right. people want to hold it against him. All right. Okay. We're in, the, we're in the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. By the way, I, I have one segment we're going to do on the show today where we're going to relive the most uncomfortable game in Brady Papinga's NFL career. And he doesn't even know about this. All right. So I'm telling you at some point, go for it. And there's a reason for it. But we talk about winners and losers coming out of the NBA finals. And there's no question on who the biggest loser was to come out of these NBA finals. You're going to find out who that is coming up next. Steve Hartman, Super Bowl champion, Brady Papinga with you here on this Saturday. We're brought to you by Granger, the products and services you need when you need them. Granger's got your back to help keep your facility running. Granger for the ones who get it done. Well, anytime you have a championship done, the season is over. There are winners and there are losers. <laughs> And to me, the biggest loser to come out of these NBA finals, and it's not even close, is Steph Curry. The reason I say this before you even get started on your love affair with Steph, I, I recall oh, man. I, the, this, this is a lose for Steph. Was, okay. And well, so last ahead. night I'm watching the post game with the lukewarm uh, celebration by the Warriors. Uh, the only guy that seemed to be excited was Swaggy P. But anyway, so I'm watching this lukewarm reception, and then the commissioner announces that the NBA Finals MVP is Kevin Durant. And I'm like, uh-oh. So here's what's happened to Steph Curry. Let's let's go back. Two years ago, Steph Curry became the first and only player to be named unanimously the NBA's most valuable player. Two years later, he's Kevin Durant's towboy. He's now the wing guy. That's a little extreme for Kevin Durant. But no, he Kevin Durant. More as a compliment. Kevin Durant yeah. has become the face of the Golden State Warriors. Back to back. That's NBA. not true. Just let me finish. You go ahead, but that's not. That's Kevin Durant false. has become the face of the Golden State Warriors. Back to back NBA Finals MVP. The fact that Steph Curry could do what he did in Game 4 after what he did in Game 2 and then watch Kevin Durant walk away with the NBA's Finals MVP, it is obvious to everybody. And let's go back. Two years ago, Curry wins the 
MVP unanimously, back-to-back MVP awards. We're talking about him as the best player in the NBA, how he has overtaken LeBron. He's not even in the conversation anymore. Last year, he went from first-team All-NBA to second-team. This year, he fell to third-team. Last year, he finished sixth in the MVP voting. They haven't announced the MVP vote, but he's not even in the conversation anymore. And that's, in other words, when we're talking about best player in the NBA, just two years after he was unanimous MVP, he's not even in the conversation. We talk about James Harden. We talk about Kevin Durant. We talk about LeBron James. We talk about Russell Westbrook. Curry is not even in the conversation anymore when it comes to who's the best player in the NBA. So whether he's keeping his ego in check or whatever he's trying to pretend to do, by (laughs) the way, when they did announce that Kevin Durant won that MVP award and they handed it to him, I was watching, you know, didn't run over to congratulate Kevin Durant, Steph Curry. Oh, he was there. He he gave him a big hug. Oh, well, he was just sort of in the periphery. The bottom line is no one's stock has fallen faster than Steph Curry from unanimous MVP to a guy that is not in the conversation anymore for best player in the league. And whose eyes has his stock fallen? Uh, Everybody's. He's not in the conversation anymore. Who's the best player in the NBA? You ever hear the name Steph Curry anymore? Are you saying the players or just the media? Everybody. Okay. Again, so when we talk about Uh, who's in the conversation for best player in the NBA, you hear hear LeBron, you hear Durant, you hear Harden, you hear Westbrook, you no longer hear the name Steph Curry. I have never seen anyone fall off the radar quicker than Steph Curry has the last two years thanks to the arrival of Kevin Durant, who has taken over as the face, the force on that Warriors team. All right. Oh, it's false, and it's this is the reason why it's false. First, if you went and asked every one of his teammates what force, I hate using that because they use it all the time, the right, words, right. but what what's the catalyst behind their team-first culture? Ugh. And what they will all say is if it wasn't for Steph, mm-hmm. then we wouldn't, I mean, and, I mean, they wouldn't say Actually, that. Actually, they say that about Clay Thompson, but go ahead. They wouldn't say that because they didn't. They wouldn't want to take anything. Like you're absolutely right. They wouldn't want to take anything away. But it's Steph, and I thought it was so fascinating, Steve. When I was at Game Six, I because I, th- this Warriors team has been, and it's because of their unselfishness. It's because of their no ego mentality amongst all of them. Kevin Durant has this moments too, where he he'll he'll defer to Steph, and heck, he'll defer to Clay. I mean, it's really cool to see instead of this kind of conflict of egos. And man, and so I sit there, I observe, and it was fascinating. In their warm-ups, game six, they're on the verge of elimination. They all do their layup drill. And then at the end of the layup drill, Steph Curry, mm. they all good around him. Mm-hmm. And he's sort of just doing like it's not like this crazy dance or in the NFL, you'll see like NFL films with guys doing this big rally. Yep. They're sort of just hanging out. And Steph's doing like these trick shots, and they're all trying to like, and they're and they're, like, if they fall, they're all celebrating. If they don't, they're like, it's unbelievable. And I'm like, what the heck is? And then he gets them all together, and it's and it's an absolute like from that observation, the guy who runs the show there is Steph Curry, and they all respect him so much. Like usually in that situation too, I've been there where guys will do like little antics like that to get attention. And guys get it. And so, like, Ray Lewis, for example, is a, a perfect example. He'll get up, give his speech, da, bah, bah, come on, da, bah, bah. and he'll, you know, and you'll get guys on the periphery there that'll just 
completely block them out. They'll be looking at somebody else or whatever because they know that's ceremonial, and they don't really like they don't they don't look at what he's doing as being genuine and sincere. But with Steph, I looked at that. That's one thing as a player I looked at because you know there's sometimes when I was that guy where I wouldn't listen to the guy who's trying to rally everybody up because I know it's all fake because the NFL Films camera is there at the microphone. You are and so I was looking at the periphery of the group of guys as, as Steph was doing these trick shots, and guess what? Not one guy was off. Of the, they were all in it. Like, dude, let's see what kind of trick shot you can do. It was unbelievable. And he and like I said, he ran everything. And so, and, and so the way you hear them talk about Steph amongst the players, his own teammates. Yes. And the way also another another indicator of how the players look at Steph is look how they defend him. They are so afraid of him, his shooting, all that kind of stuff that they literally will go and run to him in a fast-break situation. And we've seen this many times to where the number one cardinal rule of a defense is stop the guy with the ball. They'll break that. And so you may say that amongst the media and those that vote for the MVP that they've lost respect for him, that he's not on the radar anymore. That may be the case, but he's still amongst his teammates and all other NBA players considered an elite, unbelievable talent, one of the best ever. And it hasn't been diminished because of Kevin Durant. And I'll tell you this, he could care less. He could care less what the media thinks, the public thinks. All he cares about is that his team is together that they play together, and they continue to do what they do because I, I promise you this, he would rather have three championships than one MVP. I'm telling you, I, I would guarantee you that if he, let's say they win five championships in his career and get zero MVPs, right. he won't lose one Well, then I will tell you this night. about Steph Curry. He's no Kobe Bryant. Because I'll yeah, tell you about exactly Kobe right. Bryant in that exactly 04 right. NBA Finals when the Lakers should have steamrolled an inferior Detroit Pistons exactly team. Right. Kobe's ego about finally wrestling away an NBA Finals MVP award away from Shaq exactly literally right. brought the Lakers down to their knees. I will say this. That will never happen with Steph. All right, so Nor this Clay. is interesting because, I'm, I'm, I'm again, I, I'm on both sides of the Warriors. It's not about being negative to the Warriors. I just gave you one positive. I'll give you another positive, and it's okay. along the line of what you're saying right now. All right. Ever since the emergence of Michael Jordan, and I blame the four-letter for this, it was ESPN that created the monster that is Michael Jordan. No fault of Jordan and nothing about Jordan because I'm sure his teammates always felt he was a team guy and everything else. But they cast him as the face of the NBA. They named him the greatest athlete of the 20th century yeah. over Ali, over all the great track athletes and everything else. But fair. the reason they did that was from that point on, it became the individual rather than the team. Because even back when in the 80s, if you don't remember, I'll tell you about the 80s. We hear now about it was Magic Bird, Magic Bird, yeah, Magic Bird. Yeah. It wasn't that way in the 80s. It was still Lakers-Celtics. It was still Lakers-Celtics. No and so the Jordan phenomenon created by the four letter about the idea that the individual outweighs, that's what we've been living in ever since. Kobe Bryant took it to the extreme, always about the individual rather than the team. If what you're saying is true, it is absolutely then true. I will say that is a move in the right direction. Because well, Steph Curry, why, but again, but my it's, point is, but, Steph Curry is no why. longer in the conversation on what we always believe is the most important thing. Exactly. Who's the best player in the NBA? That's what the NBA has been living under for the last 20 years since the Jordan era. If indeed 
this is the case now, then that is a move in the right direction for the NBA. And guess why? Where the name on the front means more than the name on the back. And guess why? Who's, what era predominantly did Steph's dad play in? That same era. Right. Whose team did Clay Thompson's dad play for? There you go. Those guys are direct products of growing up in that era of the 80s basketball directly immersed with their fathers as big, strong leaders yes. in their respective teams of how to build teams and being also witnesses of great teams. And they took note. And they said, when I do that, I'm we're going to be like this. And that's why, to me, it's, it's so fascinating because it is a blast from the past mixed with today's flamboyance and, you know, kind of like doing the dance and all those kinds of things. And that's why it's fascinating. Like, again, I'm not a Warriors fan. I am just fascinated by the makeup of their team that they could be so loose, have so much fun, yet be so successful. You've been, I've been taught through my life from coaches, from whoever, mm-hmm. and that's no, you got to be serious. You can't smile. You can't, if you're in the locker room before the game and somebody passes gas and you laugh, oh, you're out of there. You're not focused. You know, that, that was like literally what we were taught, but that, it's not the right, it's not the reality. You can have fun while having fun and winning. It is possible, it is compatible, and the Warriors show that. We're in the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. Um, We're going to get Alex Marvez on. By the way, if you don't know this, Alex is Terrell Owens' best friend. We're going to get an update from him. But first, let's bring in K-Fig, another guy, Kevin Figures, who has kept his ego in check. He could be a little above everybody. But he (laughs) chooses to stay at that even level, being the ultimate team guy, K-Fig. You've always been that way. I I try to be as humble as I possibly can. I'm trying to transition out of the the farting reference straight to me there, Brady. So I appreciate that (laughs) transition. Appreciate that, brother. Well, that, yeah. (laughs) It happened, though. A guy, this literally happened. A guy farted. Yeah. Made a loud noise. Mm -hmm. And two guys laughed, and they both got kicked out. One got benched right before the game. And I was like, oh, my gosh. I can, and that was my sophomore year in high school. I was like, I can never laugh and goof off before I a game again. I sit here, Brady farts for three straight hours. <laughs> you know what? I be honest though, I haven't really had gas for I don't know, maybe yeah, six why months. Why is that? You haven't had as much as you had back in the. It's during the football season, especially that he carries a pro, lot of gas. I changed my protein intake. Yeah. Habits, right. so I think that has a lot. I have to you. admit, it's been uh, more tolerable. Yes. Cutting back on the fiber, I guess. And a my wife's more. liking me more now too, so I'm seeing that there's good some idea. Benefits good this. idea. Yeah. All right, what do you got, K-Fig? All right, we'll check the Major League Baseball scoreboard first. The Nationals, winners of three of their last four, they currently have a five to three lead over the Giants in the fourth inning. Nick Hundley with a three-run home run there for San Francisco to get them on the board. Phillies have lost three in a row. They currently throw the Brewers two nothing on a Jesus Aguilar home run. With, uh, they're in the second inning currently. Yankees and Mets score off today at 7 Eastern on Fox. Earlier today in tennis, Simone Halep won her first career Grand Slam title, beating Sloan Stevens 3-6-6-4-6-1. Online car shopping can be confusing, not anymore, with True Price from TrueCar. Now you can know the exact price you'll pay for your next car, so visit TrueCar to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Horse racing at about 6.46 Eastern time. It will be the 150th running of the Belmont Stakes. Justify looking to become just the 13th horse to win the Triple Crown. Of course, American Pharaoh won it three seasons ago, or three years ago, I should say. Uh, both Pharaoh and Justify trained by Bob Baffert, who will secure his record 15th victory in Triple Crown races should Justify secure the win. Again, post time set for about 6.46 Eastern. Justify, by the way, the most inside post at post number one. Steve and Brady, back to you. All right, K-Fig, thank you so much. And uh, once again, we're coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. Easy to save 15% or more on your car insurance at Geico. Go to geico.com or call 800-947-AUTO. 
The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. Join us right now, SiriusXM NFL Radio. You can follow him on Twitter, at Alex Marvez, is the aforementioned Alex Marvez. Alex, I have a, a theory on the whole T.O. not going to the Hall of Fame ceremony. Follow me and get your reaction to this. My feeling on this, and again, because he came out a statement you know, thanking all his teammates, congratulating all the Hall of Famers, future, past, and present. This is a guy that has a very difficult time sharing the spotlight. The idea that somehow he has to be one of seven or eight guys to share the stage for an event that, as he said, is one of the biggest days of my entire life, is foreign to him, which really brings up what a lot of people are always critical of, of T.O., that he was always a me guy versus a team guy. Your thoughts? You know, this could, it could very well be the case. You know, it really could. And the shame about all this is, and you know this from, from you know, being at previous Hall of Fame events, yep. it, it's really no one is critical of the Hall of Famers going in. I mean, that's the thing. You know, listen, you've had guys go in that have had off-field issues, guys that have butted heads with their teammates, guys whose careers may have not ended the way that they wanted. But you know what? All is forgotten. You know, in that week leading up sure. to Pro Football Hall of Fame induction, and that's really the sad part about this. And you know, listen, we've got the speculation that To can't rub two dimes together, so he doesn't want to. You know, he doesn't want to feel like he can't throw the right type of party. I feel that that's silly. A lot of times, you know, I would dismiss that. A lot of times, you can have a party sponsored by somebody if you understand what I'm saying, and you could have, you know, you could go through doing a party like that. Of course, I wonder who would To invite, who would attend. I mean, is there some of that that's involved in this? How many quarterbacks that T.O. has played with would be there? How many yeah. head coaches would be there? I mean, really. I mean, you think about it like, uh, you know, I'm not sure how big his guest list would be. But, you know, back when I interviewed him about a decade ago about this, he was like, I don't care about the Pro Football Hall of Fame. You know, which, which was just a funny reaction to it, right? Then he doesn't become a first ballot nominee or a first ballot entry, and all of a sudden he starts caring about it, right? It starts critiquing everybody. And now it's like either he's pouting or there's some other nefarious reason that's involved. I, I don't really know. You know what? The Hall of Fame will go on without him. They'll have a nice, they'll have a nice uh, mention of him. I'm sure someone may say a few words on his behalf, and then they'll move on, and then you'll get to Ray Lewis, who might not be done talking until 2 in the morning anyway. <laughs> Well, I want to know why the uh, Hall of Fame voters are all getting up in a you know tizzy about this when oh. the facts like they voted him in. Just let it go. I mean, you right? Him I know it's a embarrassing. Great Who cares I voted, if he shows up? Brady. I voted, and my vote isn't dependent upon whether a guy shows up or not, <laughs> right? And I think that you know when when you have some of my peers and and I love these guys as people. Well, some of them anyway. But the point is that <laughs> you know I respect their I respect their professionalism usually. But in this case, who cares if the guy shows up? It's not a matter of oh, well, if he doesn't show up, then we're not going to vote for him. What are you kidding? Come well, on. and I, I 100% agree with you. Talk about petty. I mean, it just shows their strengths on know. these uh, uh, writers that have this uh, self-importance about how they control, uh, you know, <laughs> immortality and everything else. That's no, so I, I've always said this, uh, Alex, about the Pete Rose situation. Pete Rose has gotten a lot more mileage out of not being in the Hall of Fame than he would if he were in the Hall of Fame. And honestly, if you sit down, I've known Pete. I've had many conversations with Pete. And he says this about the Hall of Fame. Yeah, it'd be great. But that wasn't his thing. What his biggest bent was he wanted to be reinstated in baseball so he could actually make a living in the game. He is, believe me, he has gotten so much more mileage, sympathy, and everything else for not being in the Hall of Fame. And I think that T.O., who is always trying to find a way to stay relevant, the last two years he was relevant because there was this ongoing conversation. He was going on radio shows, making his case, how he was being snubbed by the Hall of Fame. But once you're in, 
Now you're just thrown into the pile with everyone else, and all of a sudden he's searching for, now where's my relevance? My relevance was that I wasn't in the hall, but now I'm in the hall. Where's my relevance? I'm, I'm just trying to get in the mind of T.O. He's not a bad guy, but I, he is one of those guys that thrives on being the center of attention. It's really tough to get into the mind of T.O. How many yeah. teams were effectively able to do just that? Very few. Zero. How many quarterbacks were able Zero. to do just that? Head coaches that were able to do just that. And, you know, it's almost like, and I'm going to tie this into the Des Bryant situation like this when it came to T.O. at the end. When he was a great player, you know, T.O., you could put up with all of this stuff. You could put up with the foolishness to a certain point. Even Andy Reid reached his limits with T.O., and Andy is a very patient man. Uh, but, you know, when it comes to Des, I think it was sort of the same thing, and that's why you see this guy unsigned as well. The Des rules, right, with the Dallas Cowboys, and, you know, guy shows up late to practice, guy shows up, you know, I, I mean, all the different things that went with it. He, he's not going to be coached today. He's in a bad mood, all this sort of stuff. You deal with it sometimes with athletes that, you know, are just tremendous players, and you could tolerate it. In the case of T.O., as time went on, it wasn't tolerated, and now you're right. It's, it's you know, in life after football for T.O., I don't necessarily think it's easy. You still hear him claiming that he could play in today's NFL and silly things like that that go on with a guy who is really at the end of his rope as it was when he was in his final year or two in the NFL. I mean, it's difficult, but i tell you this. The, the Pro Football Hall of Famers, and I've talked to a couple of them about this, there are no crocodile tears about T.O. not showing up. Uh, really, I mean, they're just, you know, some of them didn't want him to see the light of day as it came to the Pro Football Hall of Fame because they believe that he represented bad sportsmanship. They believe that he represented a bad teammate during his time. All about T.O., not about the team. And, you know, do, you know no one's going to be able to tell that to his face now, apparently, even if they wanted to, because he ain't going to be there. Well, and, and, and people don't understand this, Alex, you do, Brady, uh, and uh, having attended these Hall of Fame ceremonies, the big night really for the Hall of Famers, is the night before. Now, we see the speeches on TV, but it's the night before where you're sort of welcomed into the club when you're actually handed your gold jacket. And you, and you go through this procession of all these Hall of Famers, and they give you the jacket, and you're sort of welcome to the club. <laughs> and I guarantee you, as you're just saying here, Alex, T.O.'s probably thinking, that could be a nightmare for me. I mean, seriously, they. I mean, that would be really uncomfortable. With a lot of those guys. To a lot of the other guys. I mean, look, but I'm not saying I don't think anyone was necessarily going to snub T.O. It depended on what attitude he came in with. If he came in as just being a guy who was really appreciative to get into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. I mean, has anyone told him, by the way, the number of guys who've actually had to wait to get in? Five times, six times, ten times on the ballot. I mean, no exaggeration. Jerry Kramer going in time number 11. You remember you know, Harry they, Carson wanted to be taken right? off the ballot and because he had had to wait so long, but when he... Actually got elected to the Hall of Fame. He he he's he, all that noise ended immediately. Right, Claude Humphrey, the yeah. guy got rejected by the seniors committee, came back. He got in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. He wasn't bitter well, about Jerry it. Jerry Kramer's the ultimate. I know, I know. And think about this too. What about Ken Stabler's family? Yes. You know what I mean? How much would they have given oh. had Ken been able to get into the Pro Football Hall of Fame while he was still alive? And, you know, it's unfortunate that it seems like his death was the deciding factor in putting him over the top because people looked back and realized, hey, this was a pretty darn good quarterback. Maybe he should be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. But, you know, I mean, I just wish people would, you know, if you, if T.O. were able to be reached, 
okay? But I don't know if he's necessarily able to be reached. Maybe he just wants it this way. Maybe it's all about him, and, and that's how he wants this Hall of Fame ceremony to be. Trust me, the, the Hall will continue without T.O. in attendance, and if he wants to get his yellow jacket mailed to him, more power to him. And is this pre- unprecedented? As, as, yes. yes. To my this knowledge, there's never been a living person who has not attended a Pro Football Hall of Fame induction. All right, well, and that's what T.O. wants. He wants all the spotlight. All right, Alex, next week I want to get into with you the state of the New England Patriots. All right, I just Ooh. want to get into that. Obviously, we got the Edelman stuff and everything else. We'll save it for next week. As always, Alex, we appreciate your time. Thanks so much. Thank you, gentlemen. Be good. Thanks, that Alex. is Alex Marvez, Series XM NFL Radio. All right, I mentioned at the top of the show that I wanted to ask Brady about what I think must have been the most uncomfortable game mm of his entire illustrious NFL career. He has no idea where I'm going with this. Uh, We're going to find out more about it from the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios coming up next. Steve Harbin and Super Bowl champion Brady Papinga right here on the vast Fox Sports Radio Network. Great news. There's a quick way to save money. Switch to Geico. Go to geico.com and in 15 minutes can save you 15% or more on car insurance. I mentioned, of course, Brady is a Super Bowl champion. He is a Packer. He that's played right. with other teams, but he's a Green Bay Packer through yeah. and through. Yeah, that's true. And one thing we know about Brady, team guy. And he's yes. constantly stressing <laughs> team. And by the way, I worked with uh, Michael Thompson, as you know, for five yeah, years. Yeah, yeah. And Michael was a great individual player, but he's the same as you, Brady. It was always about team, 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 team. Oh, and yeah. he made some sacrifices in his career sure. to fit in with a Laker team um, so they can win championships. So I understand about. your selflessness. I also understand your respect for teammates. Yeah. So when you joined the Green Bay Packers, mm-hmm. the quarterback was a guy named Brett Favre. Yep. And one of the greatest quarterbacks in the history of the National Football League. That is correct. Not only was he a great statistical quarterback, but he was the Iron Man. I mean, this was a guy universally respected because he took the field every single Sunday. That's right. And he had personal problems we later found out about. Nothing was going to keep him off that field. What more respect do you have for a player than a guy like that? Yeah. All right. Top respect. So I want to go back, because I heard something today Mm. about a certain game. Okay. And it immediately hit me. I've got to ask Brady Papinga about this game in particular. Uh Uh-huh. The date was November 1st. 2009, Uh and the Green Bay Packers that you played in this game were hosting the Minnesota Vikings, led by quarterback Brett Favre. Now, you had played in Minnesota a couple weeks before against that team, but here you were at home, and Favre had said he knew it was going to be difficult. The boos at Lambeau were deafening. I mean, you could hear the crowd. Even he said later, I knew it was going to be tough, but it was even tougher than I thought. Yeah. So here you are on the field against a guy you have the utmost respect for. Yeah. A man that uh, one of your fabled teammates, and he's on one of your most hated rivals, the Minnesota Vikings. They have a rivalry already with this team. Yeah. And you're going against Brett Favre. Now, as that game turned out, Favre had a monster game, and the Vikings win that game in Green Bay. But I always wanted to ask you about that game in particular, because it had to be a little weird 
at the very least, if not uncomfortable, going against someone that you had so much respect for. But what was that like, that game in Green Bay? Well, it was for, against Brett Favre. For us players, it's it's not a big deal because for especially defense, you're always playing against the offensive practice. So you have no thought that there's oh, Brett no. Favre. No, it's great. It's great, you know. But it's odd to see him in another uniform. Yes. But the the biggest problem because you got to remember the dynamic between him leaving and joining the Vikings was personal. He wanted to stick it to the Packers. Exactly my point. Yeah. Okay, so, and he made that absolutely and clear. Packers he wanted to go to a team yes. to stick it to the Packers. And the organization knew that. McCarthy right. knew that. Yes. Thompson knew that. Mm-hmm. And so, in like even the first time when we went to Minnesota and we lost to them on Monday night, yep. I had never seen our coaches so ticked and annoyed and disturbed by that loss. Like, they literally felt – because a lot of times, like a coach or general manager, they'll literally get this thinking like, we're above the players. We always will have, like, we'll always win. We're the house. Like, that's what they think. Like, in player transactions, we may, you know, we, we may trade a guy early or whatever, but in these kind of situations, when we do what's best for organization, we'll always come out on top. And ironically, they have. But you know? what was the like after that losing moment, the first game, the buildup for the rematch, especially even in bigger. Green Bay, had to be bigger. Oh, it was even bigger. Yeah. And I mean, our, our coaches were so uptight, uh, and the organization was uptight. We've got to beat this guy. Yeah, it's like we got to put him in his place. And when he came out and just ripped us apart both games, it just rubbed them even more raw. And those emotions, you know, that there was between what Brett was and the organization like after was that even game more when he did it to you again, especially intense. at Lambeau? Oh, it was, it was just devastating because for that same reason. The head coach, general manager, they felt like he was giving it to him. The only guy that could do that. He had to be a quarterback. He had to go to the rival, and he had to be. And he shifted the power. Was there any point in early in that anyway. game when he was he came out on fire? Where obviously you're you're just trying to do your job. You're trying to slow him down. But did you ever pause for a moment? I mean, I, obviously, I know that you're an Aaron Rodgers fan as well. Yeah, but. You know, at least in his mind, Far was basically forced out. Yeah, yeah. Forced into a retirement he didn't want to make with the Green Bay Packers. Did you feel any, like, good for you, even though it's coming at your expense? Oh, of course. I mean, and and again, it's like playing against him was as familiar as playing against anybody I ever played with against in the NFL until I played with the Rams and Again, oh, you know, against practice and everything else. Yeah. You know so when I, yeah, because you practice against them more than ever. But yeah, I was happy for him. I thought it was because because you know that they they think in the front office like when they're done with you that they're like they're doing what's best for organization and that even though like you're going to be changed and everything like they're right like that's how they operate like we're always right we always make the right decisions we always let go of guys at the right time. So it was sort of cool to see a guy sort of show him that, like, you, you made a mistake in the moment. But it was weird. But I mean, was it weird to hear the boos rain down was weird, on far? But and- I will say this. To finish it off, I will say that, obviously, today with Aaron evolving into the yeah. Hall of Fame caliber quarterback, it was the absolute right decision. And the irony, of course, was the next year when Favre's career finally did go off the cliff in Minnesota, we the Packers the win the Super Bowl. Exactly. So it's amazing how that all played out. All right, I'm glad you had that story. We're in the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios Where will LeBron James play next? We're going to tell you coming up next. Rolling on this Saturday, Harbin and Papinga coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit Geico.com for a free rate quote. Well, now that that forgettable NBA Finals is over, now we can get to the real news. 
something we've really been looking forward to. Where will LeBron James play next? Before we jump into that, though, yes. why, I'm still confused. Yes. Why isn't there being more said? Now, I know the coaches, Steph, Steve Kerr, the smeg. Yeah. Oh, Steve boy, was he Kerr. smug after the game. Woof. I mean, he said it, you know, and uh, I don't know why there's not more being made of the success of the Cleveland Cavaliers. Because what they did was absolutely unbelievable. Yes. And the and, and I think also they didn't even appreciate what they did, which led to their underperforming, at least in the last three games. First game was phenomenal. They had a phenomenal game, obviously let it slip through their hands. But to me, it's like, I don't know why they just weren't playing more with this mentality of, hey, dude, we shouldn't be here. I mean, we are a team that were assembled late in the season. But it, I do believe it's because of LeBron that it was either like big – Go big or bust. It wasn't really anything in the middle. You couldn't have any moral victory. What they should. That, in reality, is what they did to even get to the finals, to me, was equally as impressive as what the Warriors did to win the championship. But nobody wants to talk about that. Uh, and it's because of LeBron. Okay. I, all right. You know what's interesting? While it was happening, LeBron is getting universal praise, right? Is, yeah. is he, and they're saying it's the greatest postseason ever. Now that they get swept in the finals, here's what I – well, who they beat? They beat the Pacers, the pathetic Raptors, <laughs> a broken-down Celtics team. Oh, so yeah. Revisionist history is always amazing to yeah. me. So all these people that were just heaping praise yeah, on LeBron during the run suddenly now are saying, ah, they can't beat anybody. The East is weak. <laughs> I mean, so, look, this, this is – you know, as LeBron moves forward right now in his NBA career – Here's where I think people are missing the mindset of LeBron James at this point. I think as LeBron has now completed his 15th season in the NBA and the constant, you know, who's the greatest of all time and those people that are siding with Jordan against LeBron James are now just jumping all over the place. He ain't any as good as Kevin Durant. Durant owns him. Okay. So, oh, I'd say they're about equal. So, so, and they're not equal. But oh, anyway, yeah, right so there. they're they're different guys. But 1A, anyway, one B, they're not one A and one B. Look at the number. Era. Oh All right. yeah. All right. As of today, Wait, how many uh, how many uh, uh, finals MVP does LeBron have? Three, three, and Durant has, has two. He has three finals MVP. Yeah, he's been the finals MVP okay. all three times. So Just three make, to two, sure three championships to two. So he's not okay, there yet, good. and statistically, it's not close. But anyway, so next year he'll be right okay. there. All right. Again. Um, <laughs> do you do you think that Durant? Do you think LeBron's ever had a teammate as good as Steph Curry? Oh, no. I think Kyrie is pretty damn good. <laughs> oh, Kyrie is now Steph Curry. Uh, okay, but he's not, this is uh, called reverse. Right, oh man, uh, I mean, they're stop. close. Stop. They're close. You don't think so? No, I do not think so. Oh, All right, I so anyway, they're pretty damn close. But let's move forward here. So I think that LeBron is of the mindset now where all this idea about being the greatest of all time. It is so arbitrary because, as we know, even if LeBron, whatever team he were to choose, and he wins a championship, well, that's it. Now he's won three championships with three different franchises. Maybe to you that makes a difference, but to a lot of people that are always going to say Jordan was 6-for-6, six six, even though he was actually 6-for-15. He played 15 years, but he was 6-for-6 six six in the finals, six finals MVPs. No one's ever going to top Michael Jordan, all right? Well, so he's I six think, for fifteen. LeBron is what three for fifteen. He, now? He's three for fifteen, right? Yeah. So okay. So the Still question the is, and again, uh, championships are a team thing, not an individual thing. But True. you should know that. True. All right. So, I mean, the the bottom line is, did Brady Papinga is Brady Papinga's career greater 
than Dick Buckus. You have a Super Bowl ring. Buckus never won a championship. Of course it is. Okay, so there you go. All right, so not even close. So, oh, my question about what LeBron's decision is going to be ultimately to me, everyone says, well, he wants to go to a team where he has the best chance to win. I don't think that's the case. I think that LeBron at this point has finally decided my last destination, the NBA, is what's going to be best for my future beyond basketball. I've done, I've done, you, you want to judge my career? You can judge my career any way you want. No sweat on me. If I have to sit down and convince you I'm the greatest of all time and you say it's that's, Jordan. That's, that's your problem. That, that's, exactly. I, that's you, not me. There's nothing I can do about that. So I think ultimately the decision to go where he wants to go is going to be based on what is best for my future after basketball. And when you put it in those terms, then the Los Angeles Lakers are the only choice for LeBron James. And now this week, of course, it came out several entertainment sources, not basketball sources, several are saying that LeBron is already laying the groundwork that he's talking about his marketing strategy, that he wants to be a a mogul, an entertainment mogul, something that he envisions for his future beyond basketball. Well, he's seen it already with Kobe Bryant. I mean, Kobe's starting that same thing, and he's got to be looking at, like, wait. When he saw Kobe holding up that Oscar, he's like, yes, now we're talking, right? Yeah. So, So now we get to the point of, all right, so if he's going to the Lakers, now what? So the latest, we've all heard that we thought Paul George and LeBron are coming. Sounds good. You have the two veterans, all-stars, and then you got the kids. It's all going to work. But now we're hearing, eh, Paul George, I want Chris Paul. And you're like, hold on a second here. Paul George is 28. Chris Paul is 33, going on 34, and he's had a lot of injuries. Who said they want Chris Paul? Oh, it's all over the place. What, the Lakers? The, no, the Lakers are not saying it. It's LeBron. LeBron and Chris Paul are oh, very, very yeah, they're close bros. friends. Oh, so you're saying he'd go to Houston? No, 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 no. Getting, He's going to get Chris Paul to come to the Lakers. How would he pull? How does that? How, give me the mechanics behind that. Everything is possible. Understand <laughs> this: the Lakers well, have proven over the years. The Houston Rockets they have the rights to. He Chris is a Paul. free agent. He can sign. Oh wait, he is. Yes. Oh, I didn't know that. Yes, he is. He didn't sign a long term. Well, He's so a free he signed agent. A, like a two year deal with a player opt out. Is that what he did? Chris Paul's available. Oh, I didn't know right. that. So That's now, interesting. So now you're the Lakers, okay? So the Lakers, I know. I guarantee you, if you say, hey, Magic, would you be interested in LeBron James? He goes, stupid question. All right? So they want LeBron in the worst way for obvious reasons. But if he walks in and says, look, guys, here's what I envision for my career. All right? I, I want to be a Laker. The whole situation works for me. I like the young nucleus of players they have. They're workable. But I want Chris Paul, not Paul George. Now, if you're Magic Johnson, you go, Chris Paul, he's 33 going on well, 34, and we also have – Yeah, we have a, a young guard that we like. And that's where, again, LeBron says, I'm not comfortable with that Ball family, so you need to get rid of him. And we're going to bring in Chris <laughs> oh, Paul. Be good. Chris Paul's never won a championship. He's a dear friend of mine. He's one of the great point guards in the history of the league. I want to help Chris Paul also get a championship. Now, if you're Magic Johnson and he's laying it out to you that if you want me, it needs to include Chris Paul, what do you say if you're Magic Johnson? Oh, I'd say absolutely not. I mean, if it's the deal breaker, you're saying? Yes. Oh, if it's the deal breaker? (sighs) 
I'm saying LeBron is setting his own rules. He says, look, I'm coming to the Lakers. I do it. I want Chris Paul. I do it, and I trade Lonzo. And I just I just mortgage, basically. What I would do is with Lonzo is I would trade it for a draft pick, which you could justify saying, okay, we sort of get to reset at that position. We got to feel, you know, we feel confident we can find another guy like that. But to have a chance to win a championship right now, you just can't pass that up. Now, you know that Chris Paul's got. His by the way, history. by the way, I stop you only for a second because I'm looking at Nick now. Nick's on our board. He's a huge Laker yeah, fan. Yeah. Um, you're cringing right now. LeBron says, "I'm here. I'm in. I'm in with the Lakers." Yeah, but, you know, no disrespect to Paul George, but Chris Paul's my buddy. I want to help him get that championship on his resume. We're a package uh, deal. We're a package deal. It's me and Chris Paul. You say? Oh, man, Steve, it's killing me because I, I've been on that, you know, LeBron to the Lakers for at least a year now and for right? a while. Chris Paul in a max deal? Chris Paul <sighs> in a max man. deal. He's, he just turned 33. I know. I can't do. I sound like a hypocrite. Why not like, though? No, I can't you're going to pass you got, on LeBron getting, James. Yeah, you're getting an iconic player. You have to do it. You have to. You'd be irresponsible not. You know what it's like, Nick. The back end of that Nick, deal. Nick, <sighs> let me tell be, you what this. Bad. I understand that, but it's like this. It's basically like somebody coming to you saying, "Look, Nick, I'm going to give you 15 million dollars to be a radio personality right now." Ooh, but man. what I'll tell you. But I'll tell you this. But if you wait three years, there's a chance that if your value increases, I'll give you $30 million. Would you wait for the $30 million or would you take what you have in your hand right now? And I get what you mean, Brady. You're being but- a little, like, you get what I'm saying? Like, you'd be sort of irresponsible to pass up the $15 million because you're now speculating into the future. I get you, but. You might as well just take what you got How and go with it. How would you feel if you said no to the deal that. and then watch LeBron go exactly. like, to Houston and win a championship? Exactly. But do you trust an old Chris Paul and old LeBron No, James I don't trust an old Chris Paul. It's about winning championships in LA. All right. Well, that's going to give not, you the best chance. All right. I want to No, no, no. Right now, maybe, but in the future. Well, we're all. well. What future? There is no future. It's all about now. the present. This idea of the future. Exactly. What future? The future is now. Do you have any guarantee that Kuzma exactly. or any of these guys are going to be some franchise yeah. players? I sound like a hypocrite because I've been saying LeBron to the Lakers for all time. All right, it's stop right there. Win. You're, stop just Chris, you're just getting over Chris. Chris Paul is a tough one to wrap your mind around. I understand. He's a punk. He gives you injury those looks. Prone, He's old. injury prone. He's not a very likable guy. I, I hope in personal. I think I think I just see this on the court, but I think in person he's likable. He's not All that the, likable. I've done a lot of post game. Why do guys uh, like him? I, I, his buddies like him. He, he's, he's, he was a very talented I don't player. Think he's very I, I want to bring in Robert media, right now, our producer that. Robert, because uh, Robert has some of the numbers. And um, we talk about the dynamic of Chris Paul. And not Paul George joining LeBron with the Lakers. How is this going to work, Robert? Well, first off, the difference between Paul George and Chris Paul in the first year is about $5 million because okay. he's not eligible for the big money Trump like change. Chris Paul is. Yes. But in the last two years of a max deal that Chris Paul is looking for this summer, he'll be 36 and 37 years old. Yes. Paying him approximately $45 million a season. Yes. Not a big deal. Especially if that equates to winning a championship and you're the Lakers. Oh, all right, That's a so huge, okay. I mean, you'll you'll take that investment all day. If even right. if he just if you had to take that as a loss, yes. If that meant you get one championship, just one with LeBron, oh, you'll take it. All right, we're in the Geico Fox make, Sports Radio Studios. I want to continue this conversation. How this works for the Lakers and what are other avenues available to LeBron James coming up next.
Steve Harbin and Super Bowl champion Brady Papinga. What does it mean when Geico says just 15 minutes could save you 15% or more in car insurance? means you probably should have gone to Geico.com 15 minutes ago. We're talking about the story, and that is where LeBron James will end up next. So we gave you a number of reasons with a little few caveats of LeBron ending up with the Lakers. Again, in, in so many ways, it does make sense for LeBron I think he and his wife want their children to be in Los Angeles. LeBron has always talked openly about life after basketball. Everything is said, but it's always going to be on his terms. And this, and you have to understand about Chris Paul. Chris Paul is the godfather of one of his children. Like I said, this is a very close friendship. This goes beyond like, hey, we play national teams. No, 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 no. Chris Paul attends LeBron James's kids' games. Okay, so the families get together. So when you think about it, what what is LeBron asking? He's asking the Lakers to give Chris Paul, his friend, a maxed-out deal to end up his career. Remember, they're the same age. They're both 33 years old. Hmm. Uh, Chris has the only thing missing on that resume, Hall of Fame resume, is that championship. And so that's what he wants to do. As a favor to his friend, he wants to bring him along as they go out in the sunset together. The question is, if you're the Lakers, do you sign on for that? Simply because you're going to get the greatest player in the world in LeBron James. Chris Paul wants back in L.A. for obvious reasons. Obviously, he has his own marketing plan. He's a marketable guy. We see plenty of Chris Paul yeah, commercials. lived here a number of years, too. Lived so. here for a number of years. So he's had this one-year exile in Houston watching the beer do his thing. All right, so let, <laughs> let's, let's talk about other avenues for LeBron James. Let's start with staying in Cleveland. Now there is viability to that. By okay, the way. I know there's viability there. This team, I mean, people don't realize to just all of a sudden kind of form a team, end of the season, and then bring it together enough to where you're in the finals is unbelievable in and of itself. Now you have a whole off season. You have training camp. You got a lot more time to. But they don't have a lot of flexibility. People do not know this. The highest payroll in the league this year was the Cleveland Cavaliers. They had a higher they had a higher than, payroll than Golden State. Wow! Now you're wondering, well, how's this possible? Let me let me let me Is that give because you because of Tristan Thompson's new deal. Well, and Jerry Reed. Let me let me give you. Okay, before that's you fascinating. Here, yeah, I, I know. assumed it was the Golden State Warriors. All right, so here you go. So the number one salary team this year in the NBA was the Cleveland Cavaliers. Wow. All right, here's their structure on their contracts. So they got guys locked up for the next two years. Look at all the guys they have locked up. They have Kevin Love locked up. George Hill locked up. Mm. You realize George Hill made $20 million this year? Oh, wow. Tristan Thompson locked up for two more years. J.R. Smith, two more years. Jordan Clarkson, two more years. Kyle Korver, two more years. Mm. So they're not getting rid of In fact, their payroll already for next year is more than it was this year. So if you're LeBron James and you stay in Cleveland, you are looking at your team. This is your team. Love, Hill, Thompson, J.R., Clarkson, Corver, Osman, Zizek, Larry Nance are all on payroll next year. So you don't have any flexibility. You have to decide, can I win with this team? We already proved he could, but he's nowhere close to contending with the Warriors. Right. So, I mean, that's also another factor. And you're right. They'd want to add another piece 
you know, maybe they look at Chris Paul in that situation. But they have no way to do it. Oh, they'd have to get rid of uh, George Hill and maybe another guy. Which they would do you think there's a lot of people doing. willing to take on George Hill's guaranteed oh, yeah. money of $37 million I, I over the like so. two years? Yeah, that's, that, that's a that's a. Just How about Tristan it. Thompson, $36 million guaranteed that's over the next two years? That's a tough one because... How about J.R. Smith, position $30 million guaranteed over the next that's two tough, years? Those two are tough. How about Jordan Clarkson? How did he look uh, in the playoffs? Yeah, I mean, I, I believe, not very good, but there's got to be some teams out there that feel mm. like if in a better situation or a different one, that he would perform better. Yes. Because he's still got, I mean, he's still young. He's still got tread on the tires. He's not too far removed from his production years. But see, if anything, it's the Warriors that have all the flexibility right now. They have, again, they have to re sign Durant, which they will. Thompson has one more year in his deal. They want to extend his deal at a discount rate. But the other which guys, they have everybody, Curry's under contract till 2022, and they have Draymond, Igudal, and Livingston all under contract for the next two years. So they're actually in a more flexible situation than Cleveland. Cleveland has no flexibility at all right now. Well, I mean, they got to get rid of some guys, and they would. If LeBron stayed, it's not hard to kind of move some pieces to get the team how you want it to be. Well, take. I mean, but you're, if you're, you have to trade them. Yeah. And you're, you're going to trade them for better players at a lesser rate? No, I mean, you don't, you just trade them off and you get whatever. Well, and no, no, no. And the guys. NBA trade has to be value for I value. Understand that. You but, can't trade $30 million for $3 million. But, I mean, you do maybe like a four-team trade to get the guy that you want. Well, you know okay. what I'm saying? Like you would, right. you would trade, to, and then you do a sign and trade with, like, let's say Chris Paul. Yes. Goes and signs a max deal with X team, and then they got another team. You know, you can you can figure it out. All right, let's go to another team I know you're intrigued in. And I think a lot of people, if there's one team that's really intriguing for next year, it's the Boston Celtics. Because we really don't know how good Boston is. They came within one game of the NBA Finals without Kyrie Irving and without Gordon Hayward. So they get obviously those two guys back next year. Man, that would be I would like to see that actually. That's one that's one scenario I like to see on the East. Although the number one scenario I want to see is him come to the Lakers. Yes. Because that would be exciting. But if he went to Boston. But if he went to Boston. Reunited with Kyrie. But didn't they leave on sort of bad terms? <laughs> kind of. I forgot about yeah, that. Yeah, very much That's, bad terms. Well, they're not. Already. Gordon Hayward. I mean, obviously they have enough talent with Al oh, yeah. They're loaded. I mean, they they, were, would be, they got to the you know one game of the NBA yeah. Finals I mean, without I, their best players. I believe players. just if you added just LeBron. Yeah, just to this team this year, they would probably have given the Warriors a far more good, you know, better of a run than uh, just the Cavs team, obviously. But, but does living in Boston give him the same dynamic no. of living in L.A. as far no. as life after basketball? No. no. You know, and that's the that, if that's the factor, then there's really no other place for him to go because there's no other place that will give you that exposure and those opportunities. And he's, I mean, to me, it's it, it, it would be shocking if he doesn't go to L.A. He already's got a house in L.A. He's already been in right. L.A. Yes. And he's, he's already sent his kids to school here in L.A. Right. And so, yeah, I, 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 it's going to be tough to see him go. Now, are you going to dig in if LeBron does show up, whether it's with Paul George or Chris Paul? Uh-huh. All right, um, are you going to dig into that very deep bank account of yours <laughs> and lay down some serious coin to go watch him play? To go watch him play out there at Staples I probably Center? Probably would. I mean, it, it would be fascinating. I, like I said, it's. I, I would like to see. I mean, you you paid big money just to see oh, yeah. a, a playoff game up yeah. there at Golden State. Well, because I mean that that team is just yeah. beyond fascinating, and it mm. was it was so telling to sit there and just observe and be like, okay, I, it's all making sense. It would be good. it would be fun to watch these guys sort of see how it like LeBron goes about bringing his team together because from the TV. It looks like he struggles with that. It looks like it actually, if he doesn't have a certain uh, player on his team with a certain level of mental strength, yes, and kind of his own, uh, 
I'd call it his own self-sufficiency to where he's not really relying on Well, that's on where teammates. Chris Paul plays in. It, it, well, See, he trusts Chris Paul well, and him are on be, the same wavelength. They would be different. But, yeah. the, but I would, I'd be curious more with the young guys and yeah. how they all come together. Because I don't know if that's, – that's the thing with LeBron that I don't know if he has figured out yet is how to bring a team together. I know he hasn't figured out how to make guys around him better to where if he leaves, they're just better players. He hasn't figured that out yet. But he would have to have some of that. Well, no, he wouldn't have to. Well, that's gonna, be but that's a huge thing because, look, Kobe Bryant, team, yeah, Kobe Bryant did nothing with the young players of the Lakers. Once once the veterans had left, the D-Fishes and the Pau Gasols, all those yeah, guys were gone. Team he just, never even showed up for practice. Exactly. That that's last bad. year, he never went to practice. He had no interest in tutoring or or anything You're else. Right. You're talking right. about and practice. <laughs> so, but if you do, if you were to just if you were to assume that Chris Paul stays healthy and LeBron stays healthy against Golden State, they still would need either Kyle Kuzma oh, or yeah. Brandon Ingram to get to, to, to get to All Star level. Oh yeah. No. I mean, they have to do what Clay Thompson did. They yeah. would have to be an all-star. You need a third all-star. They can't be at the level well, they're at now. Julius, they would have to go next level. And Julius Randall's Randall, gone. What, he's out of there? Yeah, they can't give the max deals and keep Julius Randle. He's oh, gone. Christmas. They can? I have been told the only way to offer two veteran max deals, they had to they need say a goodbye like to that. Julius need, Randle, unless uh, he was willing to take no, an insane Eric Pink is the, the, the uh, cap guru. We've had him on the show a couple of times. What did he say? They'd have to be able to dump Dang for nothing, but yes, they well, could. no, I heard it was well, Dang what you got, deal. but I heard no, Randall would his, have to take his unbelievably cap, less money. They have to money. sign him after they sign the other two guys because his cap hold would only be twelve million. I mean, that's but to but me Randall could make a lot more money yeah, on the free you, agent market. You just, what you would do is you you could agree in principle, but not actually sign the deal until you sign the other two guys. Why would first. Julius Randall take less money to win? No, he wouldn't be taking less money. What the, what what the way it works is now. He's a restricted free agent. So his as a restricted free right, agent, it's a team option. His, yes, his cap hold is double what his previous salary was. So right now his last deal made about six million. So his cap hold is twelve million. Well, how are they going to so, do that and give two so max deals? So what they could do is if they were able to let go of Luol Deng for nothing and not take any salary back in return. They'd have enough cap space. They can't do that. You can amnesty a guy, but you still have to take no, the cap you, hit. You would trade him to a team that has cap take space. Him? But I'm saying it's possible. You asked if it was possible. It is possible. So they have to trade Dang. They'd have to trade Dang for nothing. All right, and put so a bunch who is of willing to take thirty six, thirty seven million dollars in guaranteed salary of Dang the next two? Someone years? took Timothy Mozgov in three years, and yeah, how that know, work? But I'm just saying, someone took it. Yeah. I mean, you may get somebody desperate that needs, like you talk about, you know, I mean, not too long ago, well, maybe it was a while ago. Remember Keith Van Horn? Yes. The Sixers had to pay him like $10 million and he was out of the NBA. Oh, there's, for, there's all kinds of examples. I don't know how many years because they needed to equate two certain salaries to make the, the trade go. So, I mean, it's Well, possible. somebody has to pay him. But my I, point, I mean, again, but my point with Julius Randle is he's an, he's like, he's in, in today's NBA, you need a guy. Al Horford's a guy like that. I like, love Julius Randle's game. You need those stretch centers. The guys that really aren't centers, but they play your center position. And and they if they don't have one of those guys, then good luck. They're not going to be able to compete with the Warriors. But so the you fact have is, to have somebody like that. And again, Robert, uh, clarify. All right, well, we're going to get more on this because I I, have a, I didn't losing sight of the clock well, right now. We're in the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. K Fig is chomping at the bit. 
Don't forget about me. Yeah, guys, I, I can add into this as well. I had Eric on Eric Pincus on my podcast earlier this week talking about this and other things too. And what he said added more context. Well, Robert was right. Uh, it's either or. So you can either trade Luol Deng or you can renounce the rights to Julius Randle. Um, the likelihood of being able to trade Luol Deng's contract, to your point, Steve, highly, highly unlikely. The Timothy Mozgov was unique because he was an expiring contract this upcoming season. Dang has a, another full season after next attached to his contract. Right, and two they had to, more years guaranteed. And they had to trade a sweetener, which was D'Angelo Russell, so you'd have to trade one of your other young assets along with Luol right, Dang. Right, no one's going to take Dang straight up. So unless you traded so Lonzo throw Ball Lonzo, or Julius Brandon Ingram or somebody like Lonzo. that. Well, Lonzo would be an obviously. Hits. All right, so whoa, whoa, whoa. So let's think about this, That's K-Fig. It. All yes. right, so if you attach Lonzo with the idea Chris Paul's going to be the point guard anyway, right. any takers? I mean, Phoenix was oh, a yeah. team that was absolutely enamored with Lonzo Ball before last well, year's draft. They'll be draft. takers. They were. There's someone who will still be interested in Lonzo's right. talent. So uh, that's something that, that will be worth discussing, right. especially if Chris Paul was on the table, and that would be a deal-breaker for LeBron. So interesting, we'll interesting. All right. All right, what else? Uh, about four hours away, guys, from the 150th edition of the Belmont Stakes, Justify seeking to become just the 13th horse to win the Triple Crown. Uh, he will be on the innermost post. Currently has the best odds to win the race. It's now 1-1. One to one. Uh, Only one favorite has won the Belmont over the last 16 years, though. No horse has won the race from the inside post since 1997. The biggest underdog at the moment, by the way, in the fifth post at 28-1. to one, Restoring hope, which apparently as of now most people believe has no hope whatsoever. So there you go. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, online car shopping can be confusing. You're good. Not anymore Where with True Price from True Car. Now you can know the exact price you'll pay from your next car. So visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. On the diamond, Nationals leading the Giants 6 4 in the sixth. Bryce Harper with his 19th home run of the season. Reese Hoskins with a three run shot for the Phillies. They lead the Brewers 3 2 in the fifth. They look to snap a three game losing streak. Blue Jays and Orioles. No, not tied. Blue Jays actually now take a lead, a one nothing lead over the Orioles in the fourth. Angels and Twins currently in a rain delay. And earlier today in tennis, Simona Halep won her first career Grand Slam title after beating Sloan Stevens. Guys? All right, very good. K-Fig, thanks so much. Coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. Easy to save 15% or more on car insurance at Geico. Go to Geico.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. We're talking about LeBron and his future, which is the biggest NBA story of the year. Far more significant than anything we just saw in a forgettable NBA Finals. By the way, uh, LeBron said this about free agency. I don't have an answer. Well, that's believable because, again, he doesn't have an answer from anybody else. In other words, are you willing to play by my terms? Is there a taker on my terms? Now, let's go back to the whole dynamic with Chris Paul. Of course, there's that other chance that he could could be a teammate of Chris Paul in Houston. Yeah. I mean, and that was one of the things we thought. They've already won 65 games. Now, if you add LeBron, they came within a game of beating the Golden State Warriors. Yeah, I mean, you know – Shouldn't that put you over the top? But I guess it is the dynamic of living in Houston as opposed to living in L.A. Yeah, living in Houston. But then also you got, uh, I would say, does he want to take a step back? Because, again, here's the ego jumping in that people want to discount. Right. Is he willing to go and – because somebody's going to have to turn into a complimentary guy. He knew that. when, like when like he. I'll get an example. He goes to Miami. Basically, Chris Bosh had to turn into a complimentary guy. Yes, Remember, he did. You know, he was the star up in Toronto, and now he's like, well, I'll be the And even D-Wade had to become LeBron's wing guy. Exactly. And so LeBron knows, uh, is James Harden going to be willing to do that? No, no chance. And so that then leaves it up to LeBron to be the bigger person between quotations. Mm. Is he going to do that? No way. 
There's no way he would <laughs> no ever way. become a compliment. And he's not, I mean, it's not really his game. To, he wouldn't know what to do. You know who was like that? He had was, to retrain himself. You know who was uh, on a much lower level was Allen Iverson. Allen Iverson was a, a, a do-everything player, really yeah. one of the most amazing players in the history of the yeah. NBA. He averaged 41 minutes a game for his career yeah. for that little body of his holding up under the rigors <laughs> of the NBA. 150-pound body. Uh, it was just unbelievable. But it later is. in his career, when obviously his all-star days were behind him, people say, you know, you're, you're such great a bench guy, he could never adapt. Yeah. I mean, he, certain guys certain guys can do it. Certain guys can. I'm with you. There, I LeBron being well, it's a mentality. Well, it's like thing Kobe Bryant. He could never, never do, do that. that. Yeah, it's a mentality that you have to completely change, yeah. because if not, you are going to offend a guy like James Harden. Yeah. So you got to make a choice. Do I want James Harden to be in the tank? Because if I'm the, you know, if I'm the bigger guy, you know, can can we deal with that? And I don't know if that would happen. Like I said, so there's, I mean, it's. You think Chris Paul? Now again, knowing how close they are, Chris Paul, LeBron James, I'm sure LeBron's asked him. They would be fine. What was it like playing with James Harden this yeah, year? Yeah, and I think they. I, I would say he would spoke highly of it. But LeBron's his basketball IQ is enough to where he know he knows. Like, yeah, it can work in theory, but mm-hmm. the personalities have to match, and you're basically going to tell James Harden. Bro, because uh, there's no, like I said, it's not an option for James, LeBron James to, to not And, be and the remember guy. this, he, whatever to team he ends up back. with is going to be the final contract. This is it, all right? Yeah. And you know how he's basically been doing these contracts. I don't know, man. I don't know about that because I, I, the, the broadcast yesterday brought up a very interesting thing that may never happen. You think he has more than four more years? Oh, there's no question. His body, he, dude, he's in tremendous shape. He could play if he's efficient and gets on a team where he doesn't have to carry the load. I'd say another but do you five think to he eight years. But he wants to play more than yeah. four well, more years. Well, I, is, I, don't you get a sense that but LeBron the, has always said that he's more than a basketball player? Sure, but but there is an interesting fact that can happen. That his okay, he's got a son. Yes, coming up right now, his oldest son is right. going into high school. Mm-hmm. Very good basketball player, and if he develops his talents enough, with if he's listening to his dad and following his dad's footsteps, I mean, he may be a guy that jumps the NBA. It would be the first if I'm if I'm not mistaken, would it be the first time a father and a son played together in the NBA? I, I obviously we know about the Griffey's teammates uh, in baseball, as but you know, the, the NBA, Mariners, yeah, the NBA. I of, of course not. By the way, do you think he would so do to his son cool. with uh, what Michael Jordan did, uh, saying uh, I'd hate to be you? Remember, you did that at the Hall of Fame <laughs> thing. I'd hate to be you. Can you imagine as a oh, father Michael saying George that? Is terrible. He really is a bad person. <laughs> I mean, in that moment he was. I'm not saying overall, but I, I mean, hate to be you. That, I mean, God, what why would you do that? He's so idiotic. I mean, that's the dumbest thing you could say or think about somebody, let alone your son. <laughs> hate to be you. And then he then he tops it all off with the cherry on top by inviting the guy that supposedly was chosen over Michael right. to be on the varsity How team. How petty is he? Yeah. Just to rub it in his face like, hey, look at you and me. I don't go for you. Yeah, I'm a Hall of Famer. Not good for you. I mean, what? Get out of here. I mean, and they're putting him on camera and everything. Like, whoa. It's just kind of awkward. I mean, it's cool that he's a big enough, you know, he's a mature enough guy, that guy, whatever his name is. Yeah. That he would show up and be his. Oh, my gosh. You know what, Stephen, this is what's mind-blowing. And and I, I, I was sort of blown away by this. Yes. As it was happening in an NFL locker room. Guys that have the world, you would think, you know, just in their hands that they're 
phenomenal at their crafts, they're famous, they're wealthy, mm-hmm. that you'd think they'd be good like with their own self, that they'd have confidence, that they'd be comfortable with their own skin. It's almost the complete opposite. It's like guys are, like when they get to that state, they're even more insecure. And that's what blew me away about Michael. You, he, I thought he was just a solid, confident, self-confident guy, but he's absolutely not. No. Like he is so insecure in his own skin that yes. he has to really, he has to, he has to bring people in to prop himself up and, and he has to tear them down to prop himself up, yes. which is the ultimate sign of insecurities. And I, I, I was sort of shocked by that. But then as I dabbled into the professional world for a decade, you know, and I still do. I mean, you're like, holy cow. I mean, that's kind of the common denominator with these guys. Do, do you know this about Michael Jordan? Them, you know, most that you would think would be kind of self-confident. I, I look at a lot of people you know, and, then we, you know, certain tragedies recently, you know, people taking their own lives yeah. and everything else, and and people always wanting, wow, how? You, you have everything. Yeah. But so many people that we deem that are just these driven individuals, hugely successful individuals, what has driven them to that point are their overwhelming secure insecurities, insecurities exactly. that they're constantly trying to find meaning in life, purpose exactly. in life, you know, some way to fill a huge void in their lives. And so we'll sit back and we see, oh, you got everything in the world. They have nothing because no matter what they do, it doesn't, for whatever doesn't reason, fill the void, yeah. whatever was created in them. So it, but I'll it, say this, it's about, interesting about that dynamic. Yeah, but back back to LeBron, yeah. I, I, I would like to, I, I wouldn't doubt if, I mean, because why would you leave when you're in a, uh, he's still in his prime. The yes. wheels are far from falling off. I mean, it seems like, I mean, it, it's going to come down to the enjoyment factor. Obviously, if he's not enjoying himself, there's right. no reason to. But I don't see why, I, I, I selfishly want to see it. I want to see him and his son be on the same team. That would just be uh, cool. That's, a, that's an interesting I dynamic. I mean, it would be really fun to see that and see how they interact and see him coach up his son while they're playing together. You know, it'd just be fun. And so, I don't know. I mean, there's there's a lot there, and uh, well, it's going to be fun. Like you said, this offseason is going to be more entertaining than the regular season. In the All NBA. right. So as we sit here in the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios, we're always talking about who's the GOAT, who is the greatest of all time, and now there is no argument we'll tell you why coming up next oh steve harbin and super bowl champion brady papinga well we always love these arguments greatest of all time who's the goat who's the goat well now <laughs> there is no argument done no argument the greatest of all time in terms of the French Open is Rafael Nadal. All right, now I wanted to get into this. Oh, we're talking tennis? All right, I only wanted what? to mention this because I know no, you are kidding. someone that appreciates <laughs> that appreciates greatness. Greatness. Oh, I do. I absolutely do. And I just wanted to throw out a few numbers. I'm not right. going to do a whole tennis segment, but I Thank do want to throw you. out a few numbers on how you can end an argument about greatest of all time. All so right. tomorrow, Rafael Nadal is going to try to win his 11th French Open championship in 14 tries. Dang. Okay. Now, and he's a a big favorite over Dominic Team, an Austrian that has no chance tomorrow. Let me give you some <laughs> numbers to talk about dominance. All right. So he has played, this is his 14th consecutive year in the French Open. As I mentioned, overwhelming favorite to win his 11th title. The three years he did not win the title, one of the years he had a withdraw 
before his third round match with an injury. So he didn't actually lose a match. He just had a withdraw sure. after two rounds because of injury, meaning that only twice has he lost. His record in the French Open is 85 and 2. Hmm. 85 and 2. Now, we talk about dominance. You talk about UCLA basketball winning 10 out of 12 championships, seven in a row during that seven-year period, 205 and five. It's impressive. So, I, you know, when we think about dominance, the Yankees went to the World Series 14 out of 16 years. They won the World Series once five years in a row. The Boston Celtics won the World Series, uh, the NBA championship, eight years. Years in a row. Oh, back in the old days. I don't care who you're playing against. <laughs> when you, you know what John Wooden used to say? What's that? Winning takes talent. Winning back to back takes character. Oh, yeah. In other words, you climb the mountain, that incredible climb to get to the top, but to get back there. Oh, it's so much more difficult. So much more difficult. Do you have what it takes to climb back to the top? Yeah. And so when I talk about Rafael Nadal, this is a guy that just keeps going back and back and back and back. Yeah, at some point you're like, do you get tired? No. And it's a grind. It's two weeks on that clay, mm. you know, where you're playing these best three out of five matches that can last hours and hours and yeah. hours. I, so I'm watching the Nadal. A lot of perseverance there. He, he, he's playing against this Del Potro guy, yeah, in the mm-hmm. semis. Yeah. Big guy. 6'6", six, six, he's hitting 100-mile-an-hour ground strokes. Jeez. I'm not talking sirs, man. This yeah. guy's hitting bombs. And I'm watching on the other side, and you're like, Nadal, he's had some injuries, yet he's back, and he's doing what he's doing, and he's grinding it out, winning another championship. What is it in that individual? And this is an individual sport, a lot different individual than it is a team sport, right? <laughs> That's the problem that LeBron finds out. You could be the best player on the planet, but yeah. you yeah, don't have the right – you know, you're not going to win anything, yeah. right? So that that's why I'm always fascinated by anyone that dominates, that ends the argument of greatest of all time. There is no argument when in terms of the French Open on the clay, it, there's one guy. No yep. one is even in the conversation that's correct. anymore. So I'm always fascinated by individuals like that, which brings me back, of course, to something that uh, Jason McIntyre was talking about on yeah. his show today. Yeah. Because he opened up his show and he he re- reiterated most of the frustration of producer Robert. The same thing over <laughs> and over again, that of the top 10 players in the modern era of the NBA, all of them have winning records in the NBA finals except LeBron James. He's three and six. Wow. And of course, I like how he had the modern era. Well, because well, let me well, give you well, a, well, me, hold on though. Yeah. But what's if he broke it down though, like what you should, which yes. is not the times you make it to the finals, but the seasons you play, what your record is, is how does that pan out for LeBron at that point? Well, he also brought up the idea that uh, LeBron was only favored in two of his NBA finals, and yet he won three. We should look at that. I, but I'd let be me curious get, but, yeah. of those top 10 guys, yes. of all the times that they've had a chance, which means every season they right. played, how many times have they a, gone to the finals and then B won it? Okay, and that's see that all good. Well, let me give you another example here. Record. Because if he's talking about how bad LeBron's 3-6 and six record is in the NBA Finals, that's better than the logo. Jerry West's <laughs> record in the NBA Finals right. was 1-8. and eight, wow. And he is the logo. And he is respected the as logo. one of the greatest executive <laughs> minds in the history, maybe the best, 
Oh, yeah. he, he built the Lakers. He built uh, Memphis into respectability. He's yeah. built the Warriors. Now he's trying to do the same thing with the Clippers. One and eight in the NBA Finals, and he's the logo. So do we think that Jerry West is a loser nope. because of his he's one and eight record? Logo. Okay, That's right. so I don't know. I mean, uh, you have no respect for Jerry West because he was one and eight in NBA Finals. So Again, I don't want to hear about this. I LeBron like was three and six. He's LeBron really played in teams, but he's really three and fifteen. So I want to look at that at the break here. I want to look at that. What is of the yes. ten best players their overall record in the finals, including oh. the years? That they played and didn't make the finals, and see where he stacks. All right, up. so you want to try to break record. it all down on where LeBron really stands. Yeah, but I want to see the all-time true, greats. But I want to see the true record, which means however many seasons you played. Yes, how many times you make it to the finals, and how many times you win it. So making it to the finals does matter to you. It does. Okay, so making it to the finals. Like, I'm talking like. Overall record, though. How many seasons you've played, how many right, times you've right, made it, how many right. times you won the championship. All right, so LeBron's place in history from the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios coming up next. Oh, what a Saturday it has been. So much more to come. And indeed, we are coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit Geico.com for a free rate quote. Well, the NBA Finals are over. We've been talking about what's next for LeBron James. We're also trying to get a little perspective right now on where we stand once uh, this latest NBA season has finished. By the way, before we even get to this, uh, I, I want to say a, a, a salute to the Washington Capitals, uh, who won the Stanley Cup this week. Uh, it was a great story about the uh, Las Vegas Golden Knights, but ultimately <laughs> the Capitals won. There was another argument about an all-time great Alex Ovechkin, yeah. a three-time MVP, seven times had led the league in scoring, but somehow he was below everybody else because he had not won a championship. Now he has done it. a championship, and Boom. he was the MVP, and uh, it's it's amazing how a dynamic can change in a team sport for an individual. Again, yeah. Ovechkin, one of the great players of his generation, no argument there, Outside of maybe Sidney Crosby, two best players of their generation, but Crosby had cups and Ovechkin did not, and somehow he was not in the conversation. Yeah, well. And his team wins a championship, and suddenly he's Boom, back he's in the conversation. So I, before we even go any further about this whole dynamic of rating players based on championships, I ask you again, yeah, as a key contributor to a Super Bowl champion, but not necessarily the star of the team. How much should we read into winning championships in judging players that are involved in team sports? Well, there's got to be a balance. So you got to go right in the middle. It's in extremely important because it's a function of the greatness of the, the great players because they're not only building a team culture that's conducive to winning championships, but then they're also playing at a championship level. But then it's not absolute to where you go on like you you know you go on the extreme of the Robert Ories of the world where you say oh they're the best player there because they've won the most championships or they've had the greatest record of you know going to the championship finals or series or whatever and winning them that's too far off to the extreme but that has to be part of the conversation because the greatness of some players and the greatness of all the players as a matter of fact is a function of can they lead a championship team. To finish the deal. All right. And so I'm, I'm going to be give right you, in the middle there. So it's important, okay. but it's not going to be the defining metric. All right. I want to give you two NBA stars. Okay. All right. 
Long careers both. Both over 30,000 points in their career. Okay. Both won MVP awards. But one of them won a championship and one did not. Okay. Who is a better player? Okay. Karl Malone or Dirk Nowitzki? Well, I would... Look, I learned, Dirk Nowitzki let me won a championship, this. was an MVP. Carmelo yeah. won two MVPs, no championships, both over 30,000 points. Who's the better player? And let me preface this by saying yes. I grew up a huge Utah Jazz fan. I still am a huge Utah yes. Jazz fan. A huge Carmelo fan. Got his signatures. Mm-hmm. You know, went to every Carmelo clinic, which they did at the time. Right. And I would still say that it's Nervinsky. And it's because of the one difference was he was able to lead his team to a championship. Yep. And I'm going to tell you this right now. That would my my mind would change because I remember I was in Casper, Wyoming, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, watching 1998 in Salt Lake City, Chicago Bulls versus the Utah Jazz. Utah, they had control of the game. Game six, they go down on the offensive side of the ball. They throw it into the low post, which is a very common mechanism of their offense to Carl Malone. Hey, we're going to put it in our star's hand. He's going to take us home. He's going to seal the victory. He gets, he get, I don't know what you call it, other than maybe he gets a little kind of puckered up, tight, thinking the game is over. He's looking over his left shoulder. Where do I go? Where do I go? Instead of just saying, hey, I'm going to, I'm going to take this. I'm going to take this ball, and I'm going to the hoop and doing my runner baby hook across the lane like he always does, and if it goes in, awesome. If it doesn't, I'm good with the results. No, he was afraid, and so he's looking for somebody else. Who do I pass to? Who do I pass to? All of a sudden, Michael Jordan's like, hey, I'm going to sneak over there, and as he's looking to the left, I'm going to swipe at him, and he did. He stole the ball from him, and that ultimately set up the shot where Michael Jordan goes down, pushes off on Byron Russell, Boom! Slams that nice little shot and pose to win it for the Bulls. It ultimately ends the series. To me, I put that squarely on Carmelo. And so, yeah, Nowitzki—he's the guy. All right, you so give him the you give him the nod because Nowitzki didn't do that in that situation. Dirk went out there and he took it. And, and he, he, and he was an NBA Finals MVP against yeah. LeBron James, no so less. It's going to yeah, it's going All to right. Dirk. All right. It's interesting that there's so many ways to rate players, okay? Yeah. And everyone's trying to figure out that new dynamic. You know, they have like war stats similar to baseball. But I, I, I saw one list, and I no no list is perfect. But I'm like, okay, that 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 group sort of looks right, okay? And it, it's a list on what they call Hall of Fame probability. And there oh. are 26 players in NBA history that have a perfect score. In other words, they are 100% probability Hall of Fame. Fascinating. 100%. Ironically, the only two guys on this list out of 26 that did not win at least one NBA championship are Carl Malone and John Stockton. Charles Barkley's not there? Not a perfect (laughs) score. Okay? Sort of ironic because he was at their Not a perfect score. Now, if you're curious about some of these names, I mean, I could run down the list quickly, but, I mean, it's sort of a who's who of the NBA. But, yeah, no Barkley. The only two guys out of these 26 that did not win a championship were Carl Malone and John Stockton. All right, so before we start breaking them all down, here are the names on the list. Hard to, hard to break these down. Um, you got Kareem. You got Jordan. You got Bill Russell. You got Kobe. You got Wilt. You got Tim Duncan. You have LeBron. You have Shaq, Havlicek, the big O, Oscar Robertson, Bob Cousy, hmm. Kevin Garnett. Interesting. Jerry West, Magic Johnson, Carl Malone, Akeem Olajuwon, Larry Bird, Elvin Hayes, David Robinson, Dwayne Wade, Moses Malone, 
Dolce's old timer, hmm. along with another old timer, Bob Pettit, Dirt Nowitzki, and Isaiah Thomas. Hmm. So those are the 26 guys by their criteria, which encompasses a lot of different things, including championships, which, yeah. that were the only guys to get a perfect 100% Hall of Fame. You know, it's one thing that's interesting, though. By the way, you know who's the closest not on the list? Who? Two guys at .9999. Chris Paul and Kevin Durant. By the way, Barkley's at .9998. Interesting. All right, so. really bad. Yeah. All right, so would that be a representative list of the greatest of all time? Yeah, I would say that's that's pretty good. I would say this, though, that one thing that's fascinating is I don't believe that MVP, finals MVP is even a, a part of it. Oh, which I like that because it's very subjective. You're asking the writers to go into that. Well, you know what the vote was yesterday because I was shocked. I absolutely, I thought it was going to be Curry. Hundred percent, it was going to be Curry. Yeah, I, I mean, he comes out fiery. He's making everything. He had seven yeah. threes. I yeah. thought, all right, so they're going to give it. Where I was stunned. I was a little bit when when the commissioner's out there and he goes and the finals envy the Bill Russell, you know, Bill Russell's yeah, on there. But the he Bill, said it two times. Yeah, he said it two times. Kevin finals. Durant. Yeah, I'm like, whoa, what just happened? I thought it was. I thought it was Curry. But it was that game three that did it. I mean, that was... But, I mean, Curry oh, was the man. dominant player in game four. He was the, yeah. obviously the dominant player in game two. And in one. The vote, by the way, there were 11 guys that voted for the NBA Finals. It was 7-4 to four Durant. Interesting. Curry got four votes. Durant got seven. So it's subjective. That's what, like... Exactly. And a lot of times, you do stuff that don't show up on the stat sheet. They, unfortunately, want to look at the stat sheet. Because I would say this. Everybody looked at that game three for Steph and was like, that guy, that was a bad game. No. It was just a poor shooting game, which is very different than a bad game because he became a facilitator. He did a lot of the little things that don't show up on the stat sheet that still made him extremely impactful in that game. And so, yeah, I mean, when you're you're ranking them, that's one thing that I believe is a, a variable that you throw out. Because well, aren't aren't all these? I mean, we've talked about this many times. The fact that this will be the fifth consecutive year that LeBron James will not be the most valuable player of the NBA just seems absurd. I mean, I mean, I mean, what is your criteria? It's not really the the criteria as we think it is, which is who's the most valuable, right? It's really who's had an outstanding year that needs to be. By the way, just uh, just to finish up on the uh, Durant versus Curry. Uh, in the NBA Finals, here were their numbers, all right? Mm-hmm. For the series, four games, Durant averaged 28-8, 10.8, and 7.5. He actually averaged more assists than Curry did. Yeah, Curry averaged 27.5, 6.0, and 6.8. As far wow. as shooting is concerned, Durant shot 52.6%. Curry just 40.2%. Um, so, I mean, yeah, he averaged more points, more rebounds, and more assists. That's why he got the MVP award. I don't know. I don't believe so. I believe he got the MVP because that game three where he was clutch, man. Because the thing, too, this is uh, – I, yeah, I mean, about if you were this. trying to vote but on who had this. the best series, you'd say, wait a second, the numbers across the board said Durant. Yeah, but I wouldn't have looked at those numbers. To me, what made that performance in game three for Kevin Durant MVP caliber was – it wasn't the the stat line where he had 40-some-odd points and the 10 re- – I mean, pretty much a triple-double. It was literally how he did it and the conditions by which he had to do it under. It wasn't like he was, you know, uh, Westbrook or LeBron to where, okay, I know it's all coming through me, so I'm going to go down there with this expectation that I'm just going to control everything and we're going to shoot it up there and, 
you know, all the all the movement, the action. I'm the guy. Uh uh-uh. uh. It was basically under the conditions of shoot, Steph's freaking cold. Clay's in foul trouble and a little cold. I gotta step up. I gotta, so you and, are saying Durant was the MVP of the series? Yeah, yeah. I'm saying that well because that put him over the top. Because to me, I mean, Game Four was a throwaway game anyway. Yeah, but to me, that I mean, the shots that he had because it was the pressure. Sh- I mean, these were pressure packed, momentum sh- kind of stopping shots he had to consistently make throughout the duration of the game, knowing that guys who he had come accustomed to relying on to kind of help things out were just cold. To me, was what put it over the top. It was absolutely unbelievable because he just handled the pressure of it just so, so smoothly. It was almost effortless. It never, it didn't even phase him. He's like, "All right, I'm gonna have to just step up and make these shots," and he did it. Whereas another, like LeBron, will go out and score forty, but he's already mentally knowing, "Hey, there's nothing to lose because our team isn't very good anyway, and this is just bonus if we win." And then B, he's used to that kind of role to where he has to constantly have the action move through him where all of a sudden it was like a switch had to turn on for Durant in that game and he had to deliver. And then, you know, the cherry on top, though, was that three right in the LeBron's grill, pretty much the same spot as the previous year. So that performance alone, you pretty much, as long as his other games were solid, which they were, that Gave him the MVP, all which right. he deserved. All he, right, uh, which I thought, and I also, okay. but I, there's an argument right. you can make for Curry, but well, okay, but he deserved it. All it right. was great. So I mean, Durant again had the numbers. All right, we're we're in the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. All right, all this said and done about greatest of all time, there really is no argument. There really is no argument, depending on a certain criteria that most people are using. We'll explain coming up next. Steve Hartman and Super Bowl champion Brady Papinga. Brought to you by Lowe's. Pro customers at Lowe's save 5% on every purchase every day when you use your Lowe's business credit account. That's 5% on all purchases in-store or online, subject to credit approval, U.S. only. So the critics of LeBron James are jumping up and down with glee not only did his finals record drop to three and six, he got swept. There's only been nine sweeps in NBA Finals history. Really? And LeBron's been on the receiving end of two of them. Remember his wow. first NBA Finals back in 07, very similar to this yeah. Cleveland team, totally outmatched by that San Antonio team they played in 07. They had yeah. no chance, and they got swept. So this is a guy that's been swept twice. Wow. So if we're going to continuously use championships as the main factor into determining greatest of all time, then again, there is no argument. The greatest of all time is Bill Russell. Bill Russell played 13 years in the NBA. He won 11 championships as the centerpiece on a team. He carried seven of his teammates into the Hall of Fame with him. Mm. None of them could win a championship. The only one that could win a championship without him was Havlicek. All the other guys, their only championships were as a teammate of Bill Russell. And to add icing on the cake, he was the player coach of the last two championships. Yeah, yeah. So he he coached the team and was the centerpiece on the championship. So when I listen to you, Brady, yeah, and you use your criteria, one of the things you knock on LeBron is is that he doesn't prove that he can make his teammates better. Yeah. Bill Russell was the ultimate at making his teammates that's, better. That's a good he point. literally raised guys 
They would never even get a sniff from the Hall of Fame yeah. and made them Hall of Fame players. Yeah. He did it with two sets of guards. He started with Bob Cousy and Bill Sharman. He ended up with Sam Jones and Casey Jones. He took players like Tommy Heinsohn and Frank Ramsey and a young John Havlicek and then everybody else that jumped on. And he was going head-to-head throughout most of that run against a guy many still consider the most dominant force in the history of the league, Will Chamberlain. So he had to go against Will Chamberlain and no. Will Chamberlain. They were trying to figure out, well, let's let's put some pieces. I got news for you. Hmm. Will didn't play along. Lone, he had a lot of Hall of Fame teammates. But for whatever reason, only twice and only once during the time that Russell was playing did they put together a team that could beat Russell. Once. But here's, once. The, here's the problem with the, the that era. Oh, well, this, that era. And it's unfortunate, but it's the, the realities. Yeah. We're really the best basketball players playing in the NBA. What do you mean when the best basketball what players I mean is, play is in the NBA? How I mean, many well, how many seven footers are playing sports other than basketball? Well, let me ask you this. Wasn't race still a very big part of the well, culture? Well, what's it's interesting. Wasn't and, there many black Af- uh, African American athletes sure. that didn't have yeah, an opportunity I mean, you, or were grabbing well, 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 opportunity well, well, walking well. on the streets that could have played? Well, let me ask you this. Yes. Do we downgrade today's baseball players because you know, th- 40 years ago, 25% of Major League Baseball is African American. Now it's less than 10%. So are we now going no, to do what baseball? No, 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 no. It has nothing to do with that. You're, you're talking about with, race determining no, how good a no, sport no, is. No, no, What I'm saying is, do you really have the best of the best of the guys playing? And absolutely, well, at that they time, were the best they of the best at that time as the game of basketball though. changed. Because, obviously, it's changed. No, because of the societal forces at May, which were racism. Which were, you know, African Americans. You do not understand the Celtics were starting four African Americans before anybody was else. The exception: Bill Russell, Satch Sanders, and the Jones just, guys. There wasn't equal access to all people. Yeah, but to, what is that on Bill Russell? He had to play well, with whatever was there, I and he that. made his team better than any player in the history of the NBA. I get that. It's not but, even close. That's why the NBA Finals award right now, is named after him. But beginning, I would say in the mid eight, probably this mid seventies, late seventies, eighties, mm. probably after the ABA times is when you were literally getting the greatest amount of access or giving the greatest amount of access to all those but who wanted a, to participate. But basketball players are tall. I mean, how many how many great matter. athletes 6'8 and above? Doesn't matter. The point I'm play trying to any make, other sport than basketball. The point I'm trying to make is it's watered down at that time. The talent at that time watered was down. watered down. You only had 8 oh, yeah. to, you only had 14 t- had 18s when point. he started. Well, that is well, how, how, how many people lived in the U.S.? Talent? How many would people be, lived in the U.S. back then? How much more difficult would it be now? Was there a third of the people living in the U.S. Teams last in the NBA to win consecutive championships? Was there a third less amount of the people living in the U.S. at that time? But I mean, what are you talking about? Nope, it was about the same. What I'm talking about. The bottom about, line is no is one has more ever dominated play? the NBA the way Bill Russell did. No yeah, one in any era. It's not the same era. You can't you can't compare. I don't know. To now, there's far more greater players now. Is today's era the same as it was when Bird and Magic 30 years ago? No. It's a different game. Totally different I'm game. There's no free, there was talent. no free agency. Well, no, no, no. I'm You're talking, talking the about talented players right now. There Apple. are far no, it's not. There are far more talented players so you're because telling there are far me more players that, that are playing Russell basketball. And what made him a special player or playing today, he would be nothing. Nope. What I'm saying is, is that what he did then, you, there's a little caveat. It was not at what I would say the height of the density of talent. Oh, another thing. Let me throw he another. He won 11 championships. No other star has ever won more than six. Let me throw another one on there. 11. I'm going to throw another log on the flame of the fire against the debate for Bill Russell being the best. Right. Is that the European players? 
What about Again, them? they weren't even given access. How many European access? players outside of Dirk Nowitzki have come in and won championships with Does being it matter? the guy? Does it matter? What happens Does is, it is you're eliminating a whole Isn't that what we're talking about? Championships pool. determining well, who's the best? What I'm talking about is concentration of talent. And back then, it was watered down because you only had a small How group watered down? They of only had, many potential. You only had 100-something players in the league. Talented basketball Now players. you have 400 players. You're talking about That's, watered that proves, down. That proves my point. You only allowed that many people to be even be available at the NBA well, because you had more exclusive club. No, it wasn't. You had discrimination Wait going on. If you there go from 150 players to 450 players, wouldn't it make reasonable that 450 is more watered down than 150? No, because you have far more participants in basketball now than there's ever well, been in the history of the game. You also have a lot more filler in basketball now than you had before. What do you mean filler? Well, if you if you were to take the current NBA and reel back to the days of an eight-team league, imagine how this league would look. Well, if you only had 150 context, play, in today's context, you're right. But again, it's not the same because back then you're only. Think about it, Steve. How many decent big you, men me, are there in this? Let me league? give you. An, let me give you an example. Yeah. Let's say you have a grand total of prospective basketball, uh, pro basketball players, and you take the numbers of who's participating in Europe and U.S. in the middle school, high school ranks in basketball. Right. Okay. And I would say that there's by far a huge discrepancy between who participated then versus who participates now. And then you would say, okay, who potentially could? Who's walking the halls that have the ability to play? And I guarantee you, with the racism that was going on, with Europe, not I don't know what the the dynamic was there, but Europe wasn't a, a you know a, 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 a yeah, they weren't sending guys over. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Again, you get no, 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 no. Hold on, hold on. You're going the in a completely no. different direction. No, I'm here. not because what I'm saying is the pool of players is by far less back then. It's it's not even close. All right, let me ask you this, and it doesn't even relate to now. Like right now, I would say this there, and I'll give you just a quick kind of just guess. I would say that there's 500 more thousand capable basketball players playing now than there ever was back in Bill Russell's time. So the whole talent thing, there's way more talented players now playing the game, whether it's really Europe, Let me ask you this. Then they in did 20, in yeah, two years ago. Close. In 2016, I'm going to look at the all-NBA team. This is two years ago. Your first, second, third team centers. First team was DeAndre Jordan. Second team was DeMarcus Cousins. And third team was Andre Drummond. All right, let's go back to, oh, let's see here, 20 years before that. First team All-NBA center, David Robinson. Second team, Akeem Olajuwon. And third team, Shaquille O'Neal. Please explain to me how the game's getting better. What you're saying is that, well, this is a different debate. What you're saying is the center position oh, no, no, is no. being if extinct. If you're going to compare era to era, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah, what you're saying is the center position now is going extinct. You're right. It is going extinct because really you got guys like well, Draymond. Shouldn't there be more Green playing guys? center right now? You're not you're not seeing shouldn't the there big be seven more foot good guy. guys now than there were back then? There's far more better guys now. Well, they're obviously more not, well at the, not among big men, they're not. Well, you're getting the big men confused. I'll give you an example. If Kevin Durant was born 10 years before, guess what position With that he's skinny playing? little body of his, he's a wing guy. That's because he's he couldn't hold up in the post. his body that way, by the way. Mm. And I'll tell you this. If he would have grown up in that era, he'd have been looking at guys like Elijah Wan right. and, Again. and uh, Patrick Ewing. Call and be like, when I'm that next super, guy. But guess what? when he a did superstar it. wins their he 12th did. championship, he and did. then I'll say Bill Russell has moved aside. No. No, I'm not. I'm not going to do that because it's water. I mean, it was not the same game. What there was not as many good players still playing bouncing at the, time. the ball. I'm sorry, I know. I remember it. it just, All right, we're yeah. in the 
Geico Fox not, Sports Radio Studios. You know who could end this argument? Kevin Figures. <laughs> Kevin All right, Figures. So, Kevin Figures, let me ask you this. Okay. Does Bill Russell, fired. to you, hold any water in the conversation of best of all time with his 11 championships out of 13 years? Is, is he... Is he even relevant in any way when you're talking about the history of the NBA? He's definitely relevant, for sure. I don't know how he couldn't be. I've always thought that he was a product of being on a really, really talented roster and that Wilt was a better individual player, even though he beat him all Although those times. Although the Celtics never won a championship until Russell arrived, and the year after he retired, they were oh. a losing team. Well, again, he makes a difference. He made a huge difference, and it's not to say that he's not a great player. I don't know if he's the greatest of all time, but I would say with his accolades, and he was a phenomenal player, that he should at least be in the well, debate. Well, the question is, do you use championships as a criteria for determining the best of all time? I don't. Okay, uh, gotta, I don't. You gotta there use. You gotta use it. It's got some. Let me weight. ask you this. I'll ask you what I asked. It depends him. on how much weight who you had, give to who it. Who was a better player, Karl Malone or Dirk Nowitzki? I think Malone was a better player. I think he was a more well-rounded player. There you go. He was a better individual player than Dirk Nowitzki was. Okay. But Dirk was a phenomenal player, too. Well, and he won a championship. He did, but that's that's and, not how I Carmel, judge a better individual uh, uh, player. Right. Everyone, see, this is the whole point we make it. All right. We all have a different way, a different criteria on determining the best of the best. All right, what do you got, k All right, we'll start with the Major League Baseball scoreboard. It just went final. The Nationals with a 7-5 victory over the Giants. Bryce Harper hitting his 19th home run in that one. Elsewhere, Milwaukee surging ahead of the Phillies. G-Man Choi with a pinch hit grand slam off of Jake Arrieta. 7-3 is the lead for the Brewers in the seventh. Brew crew currently with a half-game lead over the Cubs in the NL Central. And speaking of the Cubs, they have a 2-0 lead over the Pirates in the third. Blue Jays with a 3-2 lead over Baltimore in the seventh. And tennis earlier, Simona Halep won her first career Grand Slam title after beating Sloan Stevens. Online car shopping can be confusing. Not anymore with True Price from True Car. Now you can know the exact price you'll pay for your next car, so visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. The 150th Belmont Stakes pops off at about 6.47 Eastern Time. The Kentucky Derby and Preakness winner Justify is the overwhelming favorite as he seeks to secure the Triple Crown. Thank you, Nick Wright. For the first time since 2015, looking to secure the Triple Crown winner, American Pharaoh, of course, swept the big three back then. Legendary trainer Bob Baffert trained both American Pharaoh and Justify. He would be just the second person ever to have two Triple Crown winning horses should Justify get the W. Brady and Steve. Well, thank you very much. Interesting about Bob Baffert. When Baffert sort of came on the scene in the mid-90s, um, I used to have him on my radio show quite a bit, uh, you know, down in the San Diego area, of course, Del Mar out there. And, yeah, you yeah. know, Baffert was like the new name and training and everything else. We hadn't touched base in years, to be honest with you, until a few months ago. Oh, wow. And yeah. all of a sudden, my producer said, hey, we're going to get Baffert on the show. So he comes on and I say, hey, Bob. And he goes, so you're still working? <laughs> and, of course, my response to him was, you're still working? My my hair is darker than ever, and your hair is whiter than ever. It's amazing how that works. Um, but he was telling me about this horse, Justified, that was going to run in the Santa Anita Derby. Yeah. And he says, this horse never ran as a two-year-old. This was, this was only the third race it was going to run. I said, well, how good is this horse? He goes, I think it could be a very special horse. And today, of course, Boom, could have been is. just the uh, 13th horse ever wow. to win the Triple Crown. So we'll see how it all plays out. Although, as they say, rarely does the favorite win at the Belmont. Uh, we're coming live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. Easy to save. 15% or more in car insurance at Geico. Go to geico.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. By the way, I've also found out one thing about uh, working here with Brady all these years. If you and I ever went out to eat a meal, it would be the quickest meal in the history of the world. Um <laughs> 
I am I am a notoriously fast eater, and so are you. Well, um, Steve, I mean, I mean, we'd have conversation, and everything, but uh, this is usually my, when I start invention. eating. Yeah, I'm I'm I. It's it's sort of like when I sleep. I'm a good sleeper because when I go to sleep, it's <laughs> I'm sleep. I'm there to sleep is yeah. what I'm there to do. Yeah. Uh, and the same thing when I eat. <laughs> I, I'm not the idea of like eat and talk and eat. No, no, I'm there to eat. Now we could talk before, talk after. Oh, after but yeah. once I start eating, I, I have that. a mission to finish my meal. Yeah. See, my my invention is is I need to create some kind of like I don't know if it's a pill or an injection. Yes. To or just like a patch. Yeah. You know, like I need my I need to eat my lunch real quick. Yeah. Put the patch on. You get all your nutrients. You take right. the patch off. Throw yeah. it away. I don't even have to eat it. Like that's where I want to get to. No, but you you are I eat a, a lot for nutrition. When when, I, I mean, I still that. enjoy like you know the taste of food and stuff like that. But a lot of it, yeah. But you it's you're just, you're focused on eating like that's yeah. the way I am. Yeah. My but, son Garrett is also. The, I used to thought everyone used to complain. You are ridiculous. Do you ever take a breath when you eat? And I go, no, I'm I'm trying to eat. <laughs> uh, but my son, who is I now twenty, don't, he I, is even worse yeah, than I am. I don't even I don't enjoy the food if I have to like take one bite, talk for like a couple of minutes, no, and take no, another no, bite. No, it's no, just no. my food. I want to eat. Yeah, there's no like continuity. It gets all like kind of scattered. Nah, but nah. I mean, there, I mean, I, I enjoy eating though. There are like sure, like Fridays, Saturday nights. I have what I call my fun nights. Mm-hmm. Where I eat ice cream and yeah. burgers and pizza. But still, you want to eat. You want to eat enjoyable. in peace. You want to eat in peace. I do want to eat in peace, but uh, <laughs> but other meals throughout my day are n- nutrition based. Right. It's just more like homework. You know, I just right, got to get it because it's healthy. And, exactly. And I got to. But get no, my, I mean, you know, you eat like I eat. Yeah. I, I eat with a mission. All yeah, right, I'm gonna, uh, exactly. I, I've got food. It is time to eat. Yeah, I'm not going to lollygag Some around. people like to multitask when they're eating. I'm not a multitasker. <laughs> are they, I, I, whatever yeah. I'm doing, I'm doing that in the moment. <laughs> all right, so there you go. Um, all right, I want to. We, we, this is. I, I would say in all of our shows, this may be the show we talk less football than any show ever. Yeah, we only um, talked football one time. We did relive a, a, a certain game in your career. Oh, that's we had right. Marvez on the show, so but I want to get back to the To situation for yeah. a moment here. Uh, when Terrell uh, Terrell Owens. Uh, made it official that he does not plan to be part of the Hall of Fame ceremony. You know what's interesting about this? He put out this big statement. And if you read this statement, he said, first of all, this is an incredible honor. Uh, and I want to thank all the teammates. He listed all the teams. Uh, he said, I salute all the great Hall of Famers of the past, the present, the future. I mean, he, he tried to say yeah. in, in his tried statement right that thing. this is not a matter of disrespect in any way. Sort of reminding me of guys taking a knee during the National Anthem. But anyway, he wanted to make sure that no one is offended by this. He says, just understand that this is an incredible honor for me, and I want to enjoy this moment. At home. My, at, at my, well, he hasn't even specified how he's going to do yeah. it, but in his own way. And it gets back to the idea, as I said, that when you talk about a team sport, but you have an individual mindset as Terrell Owens has and yeah. had throughout his career, the dynamic of now being part of another team, the Hall of Fame team, and having to share the stage with all these other people is just something that he doesn't feel comfortable with. Maybe I can only imagine how difficult it must be for a guy like Terrell Owens, who obviously had talent, oh, yeah. but he was had such an individual mindset yeah. trying to fit in in a team environment. Yeah. He, it's almost like I call it like you know how there's the attention deficit disorder where you mm-hmm. can't focus on things. Right. There's another one where it's like it seems like guys didn't get enough attention in their lives, maybe in their youth or something. And something. they're trying to I mean, there's just something there to where there's a deficit of attention and they want it. And so I almost look at it differently than 
it, he can't share the same stage. I almost look at it. He looks at it like this is my opportunity. If I don't go to actually get more attention. Absolutely. That's how I see it. Uh, you're absolutely. This is my because way to like, thing, get on the pedestal. Having so, known all these athletes over many, many years that I've known and carried on friendships, I'm telling you, 99.999% of athletes, ex-athletes, when they ask them, what do you miss most? The camaraderie of my teammates. Oh, yeah. Being they all the say team, the same thing. I miss out. the locker room. Yeah. I miss whatever. I mean, all, every one of You're them. Built-in doesn't matter if you're a group, Hall man. of Famer or just a, they all say the same thing. Yeah. And what I miss yeah. is that, you know, camaraderie, getting together, getting on that field, working together. I mean, that's, that's, that was the ultimate. That's yeah. the ultimate of playing a team sport. Yeah. And I mean, and like I was saying with Alex too, I find it funny how some of the voters come out all offended as if it was like the guys should shut up. They're, they're being, to have a vote. well, yeah. I mean, that's the thing is they actually look at themselves like they are determining the history of football. Well, they, well that's what they're trying to do. Determined yeah. independent of them. And, and yeah. not everybody looks at the hall of fame, by the way, mm-hmm. as being the ultimate enshrinement of greatness. Right. Right. You know, people actually can look beyond that and see greatness themselves. So sure. yeah, these voters obviously don't feel that way. They feel like they're determining whether they, you know, what they, they're going to categorize as great or not by their vote, which now they're trying to kind of pull back on the Terrell Owens one, but uh, yeah, I mean, it didn't. It, this one doesn't surprise me, and I and I honestly, it's it's very uh, within the characteristic of who he is. Well, Steve Young, his former himself. quarterback, said, I, "I I strongly beg you, Terrell, to reconsider this." Now, there's always a chance he might. Yeah, I mean, the Hall of Fame didn't say. The Hall of Fame played this perfectly, by the way. They said, look, we respect his decision. There's no requirement. It is unprecedented. But, uh, you know, he's in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Nothing's going to change that. And uh, our our business will go on. I mean, yeah, we'll have a great celebration. And so they didn't say, like, don't try to come back. I just wonder. But when his own quarterback, like a Steve Young, says, come on, <laughs> don't do this. I'm telling you, you will regret this. Do not do this. Yeah, I would. I don't know. It, it does to me. If I, I, I would. My stance is, you know how I feel about the Hall of Fame as it yes. is. Is he, it's cool either way. Like it's okay. You can. You don't have to. go. No, he doesn't. I agree with you. It's a free country. You don't want to be there. Fine. You don't have to be there. But it doesn't diminish says, anything. It doesn't. No. I mean, I, I can imagine change, it doesn't it change be, his stats or anything like yeah, that. I can imagine it'd be cool. You know. But it does point and, out again how for 15 years in the NFL he. He was an individual trying to fit in in a, a team, team environment. Exactly, and, and maybe he was thinking like, "Who's going to be there? Which one of my teammates?" I mean, I guess there there are already people there, but how many people are actually there for, for him? Me? Exactly. I don't know if there'd be many because he was never really there for them. Right. And everybody knows that that he was there for himself. Right. So who's going to so, show up? I mean, I I would imagine that there would be guys like I mean that could be very uncomfortable be, when you're up there with all these other legends and they got well, their there'd fans. Be guys that would it, show yeah, up but for if you but... if you're the one guy that gets the least, yeah, that yeah. could be a pretty uncomfortable situation, so, especially if it means a lot to you, which right. made to him. Wow, there's a lot of deep psychology here. Mm-hmm. So I mean, <laughs> but again, I respect it and I, right. I like what he's doing. It. I don't like the the response of the Hall of Fame. Yes. We should re- Rescind his vote. It's like you voted him in already. It's done. But uh, but hey, you know what? I, I either way is cool with me. And, I, and, I, and it doesn't surprise me he would do this. All right, uh, we're in the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. Bill Belichick's gone, gone, gone. Bye bye. <laughs> Say what? You're gonna find out why. Steve Harbin and Super Bowl champion Brady Papinga coming live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. Want to thank the guys today. A shaken Nick on the board. The thought that Chris Paul could be joining LeBron in a Laker uniform has him 
a little bit shaken right now. <laughs> I wouldn't hate it. I just wouldn't love it. Okay. But you understand. I want Paul George, the other Paul. I understand. Paul George is five years younger than Chris Paul. Makes more sense. But if LeBron says, I need Chris Paul, then you say, I mean, it's package. It's either yes to Chris Paul or no to LeBron. What do you say? Well, it's not about what I say. It's about what Magic says. And I think Chris Paul and LeBron James can convince him for that to happen. All right. So there it is. Very good. All right, Nick. uh, Kevin Figures. Kevin Figures there uh, doing the updates today. Always good to have K-Fig here. Pleasure. Thank you, Nick. I was saying, guys, always a pleasure working with you. And by the way, your podcast, one of the most wildly successful in the world. No doubt. Congratulations. Thank you, Steve. The FNA Podcast, fnapodcast.com. You can subscribe on iTunes or listen on iHeartRadio. Always a great Mm. listen, K-Fig. And Robert, of course. Robert, always doing the extra things that take this show to that next level. Level, Robert. We I don't have a it. podcast, but fnapodcast.com. Check All right, very, very good. <laughs> Thank you, Rob. You got that check I sent you. Appreciate it. Um, <laughs> one, one story that sort of flew under the radar this week with the NBA Finals going on, wrapping up the Stanley Cobb, all these other things going on, was a deal that did not get made and why it did not get made. So where there's smoke, there's fire. So anytime you hear rumors circulating – it doesn't mean it's 100% true. This is how the uh, National Enquirer has gotten away with it over the years. Because all they have to prove really is, <laughs> is that, that it was 1% exactly. is true. It doesn't matter that 99% is made up. But exactly. if 1% is true, oh, they're okay. Right. They're okay. So this <laughs> had to do with a oh, trade proposal. Aliens one is what gets me on right. that. Okay, but anyway. Uh, there was a trade proposal on the table. And it involved the New England Patriots... And the San Francisco 49ers. Now, they've already made one trade that landed Jimmy Garoppolo in a 49er uniform. And there were rumors that another trade was on the table that would have sent Gronk to the 49ers. Now, obviously, the 49ers would have had to give up something substantial in return. I would imagine some premium picks to get, you know, one of the greatest tight ends in the history of the NFL. The deal did not happen. Hmm. And the reason it did not happen, according to reports, is is that the owner of the team, Bob Kraft, said, we are not trading Gronk. This is the same Bob Kraft that made sure that his coach understands we are not trading Tom Brady. (laughs) So for years, Bob Kraft handed the reins to his coach, de facto general manager, Bill Belichick, and said, look, it's working. We're winning. Whatever you want to do, do it. I will stand out of your way. But those days are gone. Bob Kraft now is reasserting his control of his team and basically saying any decision will have to go through me. Well, big decision like those. Well, those are big, big decisions. De- like the smaller so, so, transactions, I'm sure again, it gives them liberty, but these big ones, right. yeah. So one thing we know about Bill Belichick. And, and, and let me just make sure everybody knows, by, it, it, this is common. This is a common mechanism to where you got to go to ownership if right. you're going to get rid that, of your franchise quarterback or it is common, a franchise caliber tied but, in. But it is not you what they've done signatures. in New England. Because, again, Belichick's it's true, mindset right. is get is that yeah. I, will, I would like to get rid of him before rather than later. And he's done this many times. I remember he did with Richard Seymour. You can go down he, the list. Yeah, Richard Seymour, Vrabel. There were a lot of different yeah. guys that he got rid of a, uh-huh. a year early to get something more substantial in return to keep the ball rolling because nobody plays forever. 
Exactly. So the question now is, will Bill Belichick stand for this where at least partially his control of the franchise is being taken away from him? Yeah, and it's because, like I said, this is this happens to every general manager. You have a high-caliber, high-profile player. Yeah, but this is Bill Belichick. I get it, but... It, That's he, top of the mountain. He gets it. And as long as he keeps winning, I don't believe he's going to have an issue. But, I mean, if it comes to the point to where he philosophically feels like something has to happen, and if Kraft comes in and he feels like it could hurt the culture mm-hmm. and that it's going to look bad on him, he'll be gone in a second. So it's... it's. I mean, Kraft's playing with fire here, but at the same time, he's doing the same thing or, every other owner would do, which is he's... Whoa, whoa, whoa. He's given his opinion on something that's vital to their history, vital to their brand, and the owner should have that right, and it happens a lot. Now, if you're going to get rid of Tom Brady, you better, you better get the owner's you know blessing. Whoa, 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 whoa. But let's also go back to the Josh McDaniels situation. So Josh McDaniels, obviously, he's gone. I mean, he had been given the blessing. Remember, yeah, yeah. Belichick says goodbye to his two young coordinators, but then McDaniels does a 180 yeah, yeah. and suddenly ends up back with a team. Now, we still don't know how that whole dynamic is going to play out in 2018. Yeah. It just seems to me that Tom Brady and Bob Kraft are trying to take this organization in a different direction, and the odd man out is Bill Belichick. Whether he's getting the hint or not, maybe they don't want to embarrass Belichick no, by firing him, no, or no. maybe they make things so uncomfortable no. that Belichick just decides, That's you know happening. what, I'd like to go in a different direction. And the reason why... It, the indicator for that happening is if they would hire a full-time general manager and they'd strip away his executive decision-making ability, then you would see a different direction. This is purely, I want my two stars here until I don't want them here anymore. That's all this is about, but everything else. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Step into the world of power, loyalty, 
and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.